So we're talking about self-defense. Is it? Oh. Yeah, you're good. I'm just putting it on airplane mode, so that way it doesn't screw it up. So yeah, so we're talking about self-defense. Is it good or not? You know, and Jason, you were sharing about how uh, how you read a post today by a guy that says if you if you hit me because I'm white, I'm gonna shoot you. Because you're stupid. Because uh, I, I feel like a post like that, it would be the type of post that Facebook and the radical left would want to repost yeah. all over yeah, yeah. as much as possible because it reflects the type of projected imagery of the radical right, you know. And so, yeah, and right? the fact that it's Christian and evangelical Christians are amen again. It's right. really sad because then you throw them in the whole group too. And then, like you said, they repost it. Yeah. Yeah. So you were saying about how how uh, you don't see any biblical argument for self defense and stuff, you know? Yeah, not defending others. That's right, but yeah, it, it, it's okay to defend others, but not to defend ourselves, right? Yeah, because the, the the whole turn the other cheek, you know, love your enemies, bless those who curse you, pray for those. Yeah. And so, actually, there's a currency concept here that I think would be good oh, to talk about. Yeah. Because, actually, I don't even know if I've had this as a currency concept. I've preached this before, but I've never applied it to currency. But, um, so, when it comes to patriotism, I, I, I usually use this point when I talk about patriotism. Yeah. So, David was shepherding the sheep, and he had, like, let's say he had 100 sheep, right? And then the lion came and took one of the sheep. Yeah. You know, a bear came and took, took one of the sheep, right? Uh-huh. And so other shepherds would be like, oh, well, the lion just took one sheep. Who cares? It's not a big deal. Yeah. Uh, you know? And then, but <laughs> problem is that lion's going to come back tomorrow and take another sheep. Yeah. Come back the next day and take, take another sheep. And so at what point do you begin to realize that this lion can't be ignored, has to be dealt with, you know? And it do it, what's your threshold? Is it at 100 sheep? Is it 99 sheep? Is it 80 yeah. sheep? You know? Um, yeah. You know, 65 sheep? You know, do you wait until all your sheep are gone and then you face the lion because they're going to eat you you know like at what point and david had this tenacity where he went and he took the sheep out of the lion's mouth and he killed it and stuff you know and i think there's a radical type of tenacity that's needed in 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 american patriotism to say no you're you're not going to take my freedom of speech uh no you're you're not going to take my right to bear arms or whatever um you know um so many rights have been under attack you look at you look at um, well, what's that? White silence is violence, and stuff yeah. like the that. It's like they're going through the amendments one by one. <laughs> like cause the Fifth Amendment is you have the right to remain silent, oh, yeah, and yeah. you shouldn't ever be required to speak in a manner that would harm you. That would um, harm yourself, you know. Yeah. And yeah. Um, and so. Yeah. So basically, at what point do you fight back, right? And right now we have, um, so the, the, the church has always been persecuted. There's always been persecution. We can't really get away from that. Yeah. But I think in America, because we're born with an inherent right, uh, you know, yeah. like we have a birthright to free speech and it's been paid for in the bloodshed of our ancestors. Yeah. Uh, you know, I mean, it's no, it's no laughing matter. It's, it's, it's not something to be taken lightly. Yeah. Here's one thing, I, I said this to my mom, um, I don't want to like steer this off course at all, but I was just like, I made a point where I was like, 
in in America we have what we call rights and privileges, but I was like, we don't actually have any rights because I was like, if there, it's all a gift from God. I understand, mm-hmm. like legally we do, but I'm like, you're not really entitled to the next breath you breathe. So I'm mm-hmm. like, it, I guess where I was coming from is I'm like, it creates this entitlement mentality where people are kicking and screaming at every little thing it seems like and I don't know if is that right I mean I like you said I like hold the line and these things are worth defending and stuff uh, freedom of speech and everything yeah if you don't have that then you can't I mean where can you even, well I guess you could still preach the gospel and you just get killed but but I don't I don't know that I mean what do you think about that because that was my thought is like well I I'm not in Entitled. Well, I don't. I don't have a right or privilege to anything in my life. Like it's basically all a gift. So the, would the, that be a better way of looking at it? Or no? uh, I, I I would disagree a little bit. I, okay. So the founding fathers they said that um, we believe that these rights are inalienable to all human beings. That they have the right to free speech and this and that, right and stuff. And so that these are rights that are given by God, and we believe in a, a free society, and. Um, understanding that the opposite that on the other side pulling in the opposite direction is people that believe in a non-free society people that believe in enslavement you know people that want to climb the pyramid higher by pushing people lower you know and so there's always an evil that we're we're up against so there's a lot at stake um but i would say that I think the mistake that's happened with with this generation is somewhere along the line somebody invented the concept that you have the right to not be offended. Oh yeah. No. No human being in the history of the earth has had the right not to be offended. Yeah. Uh, you know. What did Jordan Peterson say? He said something about that one time. He said that um, in order to think, you have to risk being offended. Like, right. Yeah. It's like. The, they're actually. It's actually interesting. That when he debated that woman and uh, the 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 British feminist, oh, yeah, yeah, Jordan Peterson's that. most popular video, she actually says in part of the interview, she says, "Well, what makes you think that your right to free speech should trump a transgender right to not be offended?" And so she actually presented the idea of people having the right to not be offended. Yeah, you yeah. know, and that's just not. That, and so I think that 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 was like the the, the fallacy. And what's weird is. When Jordan Peterson would go on different shows, and they play like a ten-second clip, a five-second clip, like Bill Maher or something like that, yeah, that was the clip they played. Was that woman saying people have the right to not be offended? And I thought it was interesting. Out of that whole debate, that would be the clip they play. And so there's something really deep to that. But um, yeah, so no one in history has ever had the right to to not not be offended. And um, and so I think trying to defend that right is where everything got all messed up. You know, because we start talking about hate speech is offensive. And then they find a couple of rogue examples of hate crime. And then they re- refer to, like, passing lynching laws because there were, was lynching hate crimes a long time ago. But when you really get further into it, they begin uh, blurring the lines between what hate speech is and what hate crime is. And then they start getting into this idea that hate speech and hate crime are the same thing. Yeah. So when I yeah. stand up and preach that... Um, there's there's three different types of homosexuals, and, and when I stand up and preach, uh, and actually a very uh, a message of freedom and, and stuff to to one of those three types, 
um, they they would say that as hate speech. They would say that as you know, because like even them not being able to properly interpret what I'm saying, the way, they would just just write it off, uh, you know. And they um, yeah. And so um, one right we have that's very important to understand is you're innocent till till proven guilty, and a lot of that is is under attack. You know, there's a lot of ways that. People are not innocent until until proven guilty, you know. Yeah. And that's um that that's a big deal too. But yeah, I just wonder. I guess I don't know why. That's just kind of been bothering me. I don't know if maybe it's just because I I feel like maybe with the the politics and patriotism, if that's diluting our perception for the truth of the gospel, because like even that statement you're innocent until proven guilty it's like that's true in our country and that's a very good legal system to hold like i agree with that 100 percent, as in the laws of this land right but then when i think about the gospel i'm like well if i i'm a sinner you know and i need christ and that's Uh the truth of it so it's like i'm get i'm guilty like uh like flat out so it's like i think if if i take that mindset so much because it's been ground into me so much innocent until proven guilty like just the way that I have all these rights and privileges does it somehow subtly promote some sort of self-righteousness in my mentality that's what I'm concerned about right For, and I don't know if maybe that's where that stems from to respond that way well I disagree with you well I mean that post was literally it was that would be extreme like someone attacks you because you're white they're physically hurting you mm-hmm. and you say well I'm gonna shoot you because you're stupid and it's like just how combative that is it's like well this person I don't know it's just it's, it's really hard for me I to, to to reconcile that because I'm just like that to me I feel like then you should almost it just doesn't seem Christ-like to me to respond that way to somebody even though they they hate you and they're hurting you it's like that's to to reproduce that hatred in a sense is not doesn't seem right from a Christian perspective to me right but like you're talking about also there seems to be a larger picture of maybe what this country because when you mention rights and privileges that seems important in the aspect of patriotism and politics and the legal systems of this country. And so it seems important in that way. But then when I think about the gospel and like the kingdom, I'm like that, it still seems like gifts. Cause like even when you said, we, our founding fathers said we have these rights and privileges given to us by God. So it's like when yeah. I keep drawing it back, it's like every right, every privilege I have is a gift from God. And so it almost keeps you in the spirit of thankfulness, which I think maybe keeps... That's what I'm wondering, if it subconsciously will psychologically keep your response. If you stay more in a thankful state, you'd act, respond in a more loving way. Yeah. Rather than, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start swinging back. Because mm-hmm. that, I don't know. Um, well, I like the analogy of David and the sheep, because he, he knew what was his... Yeah. And like, and he knew that it was not only his, so he can live lavishly surrounded by all these sheep, but he was responsible to steward those sheep to take care of them. And that's a good example that you brought that up for self-defense too, because he says he went out for to the lion and the bear for the sheep, 
But then he even says, but then the lion turned against me, and that's when he killed it. Because mm-hmm. he just smote it, I think, and then he said, then it turned to me. So it almost looks like self-defense. So I'm yeah. glad you brought that up. Because I'm trying to rack my head and see if there's any biblical examples or basis for it. I don't know. Right. Well, um, I think instead of self-defense, so we talk about the current 44 currencies of life yeah. and how I view everything through math lens and yeah. currencies. Uh, you said patriotism is it, a currency? Uh, no, no, but one of the currencies is inheritance. Okay, so oh, yeah, yeah. Okay, so you were just getting to that one, yeah. Yeah, there's five currencies you get from your parents. Uh, the currency of innocence, you're, you're born a billionaire, and your parents hopefully help you not lose it over time. Uh, but the currency of innocence, currency of discipline, currency of culture, um, currency of inheritance, and currency of maybe affirmation. Anyway, uh, affirmation, encouragement, innocence, and, and, and discipline, culture. Is, is that too many? Innocence, discipline, culture. Oh, yeah, sorry. That's, uh, those are current. Anyway, it doesn't matter. So, inheritance, the currency of inheritance yeah. is important. Uh, so, you're, you, you, you get an inheritance from your, your parents, you know, and some people they're born into kingship, and some people they're born. In, in into um, I don't know. There's all sorts. Uh, actually, with, with with Jewish people, they would they would have a birthright to certain land, and even if their ancestors sold that land every 49 years, regardless of who sold it, who owns it, the land legally returns back to the the, the children from which it's it's entitled to. Yeah. And so that happens every year on the year of jubilee. I um. Yeah. Let's see here. I'm trying to, I don't know. I'm trying to follow you with this with the inheritance idea. Yeah. So yeah. So the currency of inheritance, um, in, inheritance, I think is a perfect word because if you, let's say you're a super hard worker and you go out and you work and you make a bunch of money. Well, that's your money. You're entitled to it, and no one can take that away from you. You know, and I deserve this. This is mine. I worked for it. But when it comes to inheritance, it's like if you're 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 given something that you didn't earn, right? Yeah. And you and you hand it freely. There's, uh-huh. um, there's a sobriety there, right? So when I like to talk about like, you know, I talk about like being awakened or being asleep, and being sober or being drunk. Yeah. You know, a lot of people think about being wealthy as being drunk. Like oh, I wish I had like millions of dollars so I could, I could live on a cruise ship and and travel and buy a sports car and drive it around and stuff. And they think about this just drunken type of lifestyle. But really, Christian stewardship is understanding money. Uh, it's understanding how to take the currencies we have and properly steward them so that we can multiply them in other currencies, preferably the currency of the kingdom and stuff, right? Yeah. And so, uh, you know, you um, if you have a whole whole bunch of money. Uh, you know that you want to invest in the kingdom or invest in missions and somebody comes and tries to take it from you you would want to fight them and not let them take the money because you want to see that money go to the the place that there's intended right and stuff and so there's there's nothing really like selfish about that but I think that uh, just true true stewardship um, so inheritance when you really get a mindset of inheritance there's a sobriety like, I've been given this huge thing, and I really need to, like, 
be, be be sober in how I deal with this, right? Yeah. Like, what if I gave you a hundred thousand dollar check right now, and you 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 you, oh, you live here in Cleveland, you can do whatever you want. That'd be a real happy thought. What if I give you a $100,000 check and you lived in Haiti where you're surrounded by starving orphans or something? You'd really be like, oh my gosh, I really need to yeah. steward this, right? Yeah. And so, um, you know, it says that when, when the righteous are in rule, the, 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 the people rejoice. And when evil people are in rule, then the people mourn. Yeah. Uh, you know, and so if we have a, a king who's inherited his throne, and he's righteous. He needs to. He needs to fight for that because it's not just about him. It's about the stewardship. You know. Yeah. 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 And so we, as Americans, we have uh, we've received free speech, and it's not just so we can babble on Facebook as much as we want. It's so we can preach the gospel. Yeah. Right. Yeah. 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 Not just the gospel, but truth also. I guess in uh-huh. a way, because it seems to be that truth is being lost. Um, yeah, because a lot of stuff going out on Facebook isn't really necessarily the preaching of the gospel in this country. Um, it seems to be more, you know, people are scratching for truth and trying to hold on to it, not let everything get so perverted and diluted and everything. Yeah. But yeah, so to fight for that inheritance is what you're talking about. Um, yeah, that's interesting. I don't know. Dude, yeah, it's interesting you talk about this because this week I got really mad to the point of almost being like, like I actually had to take a nap. I was just so upset, and it's weird because that never happens. I mean, my friend, my you know, my friend, uh, she's known me for like ten years, and she she said, she saw me get mad one time. She's like, "This is the first time I've ever seen you get mad in like ten years." Like, I'm not an angry person, but um, there's this guy on Facebook driving around in a Hummer, just entitled little wannabe cop on a power trip, and yeah. he's not even a cop. He's just. Uh, He's a bounty hunter guy driving around in a Hummer, and and these videos show up, and he just shows up at somebody's house, and he's like, "Hey, I'm looking for so and so, what?" And they're and they're like, "You you you, you can't come in my house. What are you doing?" He's like, "He's like, I'm a bounty hunter. I'm 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 I'm, I'm looking for so and so. I'm gonna search your house," and then he just like storms into somebody's house. This one person, he like handcuffs them to the he t- t- he handcuffs this girl to her her own patio chair. On her own front porch, and then he goes and he searches her house. For what? What's up, what's up, Jimmy? Uh, I'm I'm really busy right now. Is there ever talk to you later? All right, thank you. Oh. <laughs> Sorry, it was just no, that's it could be distraction. But so yeah, he goes. So he's so he's a bounty hunter, and he's trying to find somebody who missed a court date or something. There's a a um, a uh, what's it so called? A bond? Yeah. Uh, bail bond. Really a bounty hunter? He's a bail bondsman or whatever. Yeah, he's really. Oh. Yeah, so he's licensed. I looked it up, and it's true. A yeah. licensed bail bondsman can chase whoever they're seeking, including chasing them into other people's houses. Wow! Right, and yeah. and uh, the person is supposed to have something on their shirt saying "bail bondsman" or some sort of something to prove who who they are, and they can just like run through people's houses and stuff. And this guy, he handcuffs this girl. This girl's trying to stop him from going in her house, so he handcuffs her to her own patio chair. Goes in and searches her her house for this guy, and I'm thinking, man, this is just so wrong. Like, if it was me, like I was really upset because I was like, man, we have the right to search and seizure. You know, we have the right that nobody can search. I mean, even police can't search our house without a warrant. And this guy is just 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 storming through, running around on a loophole, yeah, and stuff, right? I yeah. mean, it's just so wrong. Like, if you if, if it mean you were thieves and we wanted to go around and rob people, all we have to do is uh, print up some shirts that say bail bondsmen 
and then and then send the send the play cat and mouse game, send a little mouse to run through people's house and be like, hey, that guy, he uh, yeah, I gotta go chase that guy. You know what I mean? And you yeah. can handcuff p- people to their own porch and search their house without permission and stuff. Yeah. And I guess it, it upset me because I was watching, I was watching somebody's rights being stolen. It's almost like being on the school playground and watching a bully beat up another kid yeah like that that should upset you uh, yeah. you know and yeah, yeah. and understanding her, what her rights were and and her being beat up it makes me want to go after the bully yeah and but see that i guess is different too that's what i mean you're defending you're defending the poor and the powerless and like fatherless like you're you're going after the sh- sheep there mm-hmm. like that's not really self-defense from our understanding of self-defense. Like, self-defense would be if he came up on your porch. Yeah. And you mm-hmm. and you were like, get off my porch. And he said, no, I'm going to handcuff you here. And then you said, I'm going to shoot you. Like, that... Most people I would talk to would totally agree with that. And be like, yeah, he's on my porch. But then I'm like, but as in a witness to Jesus Christ, is that right? Like, or should you not rather just accept wrong? Well... I'm like, it, well, it, when it's yourself. That's right. Well, struggle. as far as a witness, though, well, what is it you're trying to be a witness of? Like, if so, let's say my theory is correct, and this guy is a thief. Yeah. And so yeah. he, so he just, so you're just on your porch chilling. He walks up. He goes, "Yo, dude, I'm gonna search your house because I'm a bail bondsman and I can't if I want to." Handcuffs yeah. you, or or just, and you're just like, "Oh, that's okay. I'm a Christian. I'll just sit here and let you search my house because <laughs> I don't want so you. Dumb. I I I want you to love Jesus." So I'm gonna sit here and let you search my house, and then he walks out and he, you know, he's, he's got, got your, stuff, he's yeah. got your gold watch and your mother's pearls on, and he, he yeah. leaves, you know, and, and uh, then, you, then you give him the shirt off your back. Yeah, too. like right. I mean, yeah, that's what I mean. Is that not the Christian response? Or rather, just let yourself. No, I think it's. Or? Yeah, yeah. I, I, I don't think that is a Christian response. Here's, here's, here's an example. Okay. Um. Not the best one, but. Let's say you, you went to a, a used car lot or whatever, and you're buying a car, and you haggle the price back and forth. Like, okay, me as a real estate agent, yeah, that's probably a better example. I haggle prices back and forth. This week, I've been like going toe to toe with this guy over this warehouse leasing contract, yeah, and stuff. And so I'm fighting on behalf of my client to get the lowest price possible, and they're fighting on behalf of their client to not have to do the needed repairs and to get their price possible. And then we're just just going at it, man. And we're just like back and forth, but. It's like a tug of war, but I'm doing that on behalf of my client, you know? Yeah. Um, I remember I did a transaction last year, and the other realtor was so ruthless. At the end of it, I really had a lot of respect for her. I was like, you know what? You you really fought for every penny that your, your client could possibly make from this deal, and you really worked hard for them. If I was selling property, I would want you to be, to be representing me. Like, you really did a good job as a realtor. Because that's what really, it's a yeah. it's a tug-of-war dichotomy. Like, mm-hmm. you know, the buyer wants to pay the cheapest price, the seller wants to get the highest price. Yeah. So you get a strong representative to pull that but higher then, price. Again, in that example, you're fighting for someone else. You're not fighting mm-hmm. for yourself. That's where I struggle, I guess. Because yeah. I'm like, I completely see fighting for someone else. Because in my head, I'm like, well, uh, let's, I don't know, like even... Like, you have kids or something. Like, that's probably... I don't have any kids. So, I, that's why I feel like it's easier for me to say these things. Or to say, like, hey, I would just let... If someone came up to shoot me and was like, I'm just going to shoot you. Like, I would be like, okay. Do it. Like, Jesus loves you, whatever. Like, if you want to throw that in there. Like, <laughs> like just like... 
oh yeah, I'm a Christian. Jesus, like, like right. you said, make it sound stupid or something. Like it kind of sounded dumb in that with that example. But if you just were like, I'm just gonna, like, like, like Jesus, even if they're killing me over something that's not even gospel related, just to not. It, it sounds bad because it's so pacifist, I guess. But it's like that. If it's just me, for me to harm them, it's kind of almost I'm taking this position of like, like I'm going to harm you for the sake of me. And that doesn't seem too very Christian to me when I'm supposed to be dead in Christ. Like I'm supposed to die to myself. So it's like, why should I harm anybody for the sake of me? But if it's someone after my children, then it's like, well, if I don't stand up for them, then what does that say about me representing a father figure? Or anything. Right. So, and I totally understand, I guess, defending someone else, but I'm just still really struggling with defending it, yourself. Yeah, defending myself and right. that. Right. Well, for, it's a. So if if the thief were to come, and you say, "Yeah, go ahead and search my house. I'm, I'm a Christian," and then he searches your house, and the bail bondsman walks out with the gold watch and your and mother's pearls. He's like, stuff. he's like, "Well, I didn't find the guy. See you." He's gonna be 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 laughing at you. Yeah. Off, and think about it. At that point in time, who's the last person that guy would receive the gospel from? Well, you, because he'd be thinking of you as a complete idiot. Yeah. And, and there's a lot of people that. What do you? The, yeah, yeah. It's, there, it's, it's um. There's there's other examples that are probably better, uh, a better set of examples, but um. Yeah. Yeah, and and so you you really don't gain influence upon somebody's life. By allowing them to just to, to just steal from you, there's there's other ways that you can love them by not allowing them to steal from Miz? you. What about Les Mis? There's a good example. Who? I never even saw that movie. Les Mis, the thief comes in to steal all the stuff from that priest, and he's like, "Oh, I take the lampstands also." Mm-hmm. Like that was his Christian response. It was like, "You're stealing from me. Oh, you forgot to steal this also. Right. You should take this. This is worth something." Well, and what? that completely changed the guy's life. So I'm like, "There's an example." Like, right? And so you're. Oh, your point is interesting. Is like, oh, 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 what if that guy had children? Then his children have to wake up the next day, and there'd be no lampstands. Yeah. And so, if he cared about the children, he wouldn't steal. Uh, he he wouldn't allow yeah, his house to be thing. stealing. Yeah. And I think one I've encouraged people with this same point before is that, uh, you know, one thing that's important to understand is you're all in. You're a hundred percent. You're all in. You are. Um, full-time you know i'm a full-time christian i'm all in just like in the book of acts everything no no compromise i'm all in 100 and so when somebody comes to me I'm like hey mike uh you know you want to come uh you know do want to come like watch you know hey you want to watch the lord of the rings trilogy extended version with me and it's like well you know i'm sure you'd feel some kind of camaraderie from that and yeah. having me sit next to you on a couch and stare at this TV screen for 10 hours might <laughs> make you feel loved in a very small amount of way. But I honestly believe I can invest my 10 hours somewhere else that's yeah. going to yield more currency of kingdom. Yeah. Right? And so maybe giving him, maybe trading my 10 hours to give him a little drop of affirmation, maybe I could go over here and and volunteer in the soup kitchen. Or maybe I can go over here and, and read my Bible and just charge up and spend time with the Lord. Like, how... When somebody takes something from you, they're they're taking it from the person that you would otherwise give it to. I can see that. Yeah. Right. Like, yeah, I can see that. And, and so I, th- I I think that's important. Um, you know, and so um. 
Time is a hard thing to steward. Yeah. 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 Well, yeah. It applies to anything. If if somebody comes and steals your money, they're stealing it. They're uh, they're stealing it from that. You know, because that other other place you'd invest it, which. yeah and here's where like i guess it's hard because like i don't know the outcome of everything because i don't see from eternity either and so like even like even in that that there's can they come into my house they steal my stuff like in that example and i still have not seen that movie of les mis where the guy goes in it's almost like say that priest or whatever even had children but he still says take the lampstands like he's almost investing the guy's stealing from him, and he's almost investing that stuff in the guy who's stealing from him. And it ends up, like, transforming the guy's life, I, from what I hear. And, like, because that level of compassion. And so it's, like, that extra step of, like, hey, you're stealing from me, but you forgot to steal this also. Like, this is, like, I'm more interested in you than I am these things that you're stealing from me. Right. Like, it was like he was investing that. But I do see your point also where, like, if you would have kept it, well, then... You know, maybe if the guy didn't steal your money, well, then you could invest the money over here and mm-hmm. in someone else. But it's like I don't, I don't know how to to juggle all that when you can't see whose heart will be changed. I mean, even the 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 kid, like that homeless kid, we ran into that one time, and I was mm-hmm. so broken up because I was mean to him. <laughs> and then you let him in to your house, give him a place to sleep, and he ended up stealing from you. Yeah, but it's yeah, like, it's still my pet. I remember. But that. I, but I don't think you wouldn't have an influence over me. Well, like I was, I was glad. I was glad because he stole an iPad one. When if he would have, if you would have taken him in, who knows what what else he would have like. It, 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 it could have been a more expensive thing. Oh no! But uh, here's what I'm saying: is like, even though he did that, I don't think he went off laughing at you. And I think if you ran into him again, I wouldn't say you wouldn't have any influence over him. Like right. because if you ran into him again, we're like, yeah, you know, like even if it came up, yeah, you took that from me. It's no big deal. Like he'd probably, I think you could still speak into his life. So I don't think he like. I don't know. So that's what I mean. Like, I don't I don't know that it wouldn't, even though he took that and you could have given that iPad to someone else or something. Because he probably wouldn't pawned it and maybe got, like, drugs or whatever. Or alcohol. I, who knows? Yeah. And so, but then you could have given that iPad to someone else. But it's like, well, even still, if, if you run into him again, for him to see that you care about him more than that iPad <sighs> could end up changing. Like, like I just yeah. don't know. You never, like, I wouldn't rule out your voice in his life because... I wouldn't mm. think he went off laughing at you, thinking he suckered you. Right. But. Well, um, I think that. I don't know. Yeah, there's. All right, so one point is, you always negotiate from a place of power. Yeah. And stuff, yeah. and that's kind of a good idea. Is you want to, like, you know, if, if your dad wants to help you grow up from being a little irresponsible boy to being a man of God. He needs to be the one in authority. Yeah. He needs to be the one calling the shots. He needs to be the one that's going to be like, no, you can't do that. You have to do this. Yeah. Well, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. And like, if those roles were reversed, yeah. where the kid was the one in charge and the dad had to let him do whatever he wants, yeah. to that it, that kid would, would be harmed in the end. I mean, it would lead to a much more poor outcome yeah. and stuff. Yeah. And so we serve people from from a place of, of influence and that's even more of a testimony when you're in authority I don't say in authority over somebody but you're in a place of power and then you're you're you're, you're giving to them when you don't have to yeah and stuff right yeah. and like like you're going there and so 
Like, which one's more of a, more of a testimony for them to steal something from you or for you to, to, to give it to them freely, right? Well, if, if they steal it from you, then it's not yeah. it's, it's not the yeah, same yeah. same level of testimony. Yeah. And there's so many other yeah other other layers to it, you know. Yeah, maybe these are all bad comparisons yeah. I'm coming up. With. Well, well, there's know, there's but... there's a don't feed the bears concept that's that's pretty simple <laughs> to understand, you know. Yeah. You know, there's an old saying: if you give a mouse a cookie, he's gonna want a glass of milk too. Yeah, and I do feed that raccoon, <laughs> and he comes yeah. back every night. <laughs> now, uh, theft in America always revolves around drug usage. If 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 you come home and your TV's missing, there's like a ninety-five percent chance that it's stolen by a drug addict. Yeah. And it, it's sad, but it's just how it is, you know? Yeah. And yeah, so yeah. what what happens if tape to the back of your TV was like 500 bucks or $1,000? What if you had, a, a, you know, $5,000 taped to the back of your TV? That could kill that drug addict. It could yeah. literally... Like, if he got his hands on $5,000 instead of $500, and then the, the level of drugs that he could do, I mean, he could OD on that. Yeah. Uh, you know? And so giving... Uh, you're it's, probably the drug dealer if you have that tape to me. Right. Yeah. But, but <laughs> are you see what I'm saying? Yeah. So the idea that somebody stealing something could harm them. Yeah. Oh, uh, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, there's all sorts of different unknown variables that are that make it hard to, I think, mm-hmm. to it, respond one way or the other, I guess. And what? And so when the righteous... So this is this kind of same point. When the righteous rule, the people rejoice... When the evil rule, the people mourn. Yeah. Right? So think about the context of, of the home. You know, if your dad is a righteous dad, all the all the family's rejoicing. If the dad is an evil dad, all the family mourns. Yeah. He's, uh, yeah. Uh, you know? And so there's continually like a war for authority in a sense. Like we're in politics right now. We're, we're looking at that on a level that's, that's never been seen before as far as like the darkness of one candidate versus the light of uh, the, the the contrast between the two candidates has never in, in American history has never been this drastic, right? Um, and so, you know, some so and some be like, oh well, I don't think we should really care about politics. I don't think we should talk about politics. It really, you know, let's not, you know, Jesus didn't care about politics or whatever. It's like there's there's a lot at stake here, uh, you know? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I th- I agree. There's a lot at stake here. Yeah. Um, it's just, man, I, and even with this country too, it's like how, how much does it resemble the founding country? Like, like even though you want to fight for it, for it, for everything it once stood for, it's like, has it drifted so far from that to where it it doesn't even, it's not even what you think of it anymore? Yeah. But then what happens? Right. I don't know. It just, it looks like. Babylon to me. I think you mentioned that one time. Yes, yeah, it it, And it's starting to look like that. The level of pride and arrogance, almost from both sides, to completely want to be God on the throne in this country, and saying my way is completely right in that whole cancel culture idea, like, like where you, yeah, where you, like, if someone disagrees with you, then you, you're canceled out. You just erased. Yeah, yeah. So it's like. That all that stuff going on in our See, country but, makes but, it look like Babylon. But but that's what you got to you, you got to be real careful about that because there's a whole set of things that are done by evil people, and then there's a whole set of things that are done by by Christian or by conservatives that aren't done by evil people, right? Like for instance, a rewriting history, 
rewriting history to frame your your agenda. That conservatives are against that, but there's an evil oh, yeah. group of people that are obviously for that. Um, but an- another thing is uh, the cancel culture. That that's just Marxism. Yeah. And Marxism is exclusively extreme left. I've I've shared with you many times that. I, you know, for these kind of podcasts, I would love to have a leftist on and have yeah. us talk with a leftist. I've reached out to, to multiple leftists and, and complimented them and reached out to them and yeah. said, hey, uh, all I ask for is equal talk time. Let's do a podcast together, yeah. you know, and they, they won't have it because Marxism says no discussion, no dialogue, no, no debate. And what's happening is really sad is this Marxist idea comes in of... If you don't agree with me, then you don't even have the right to talk to me. I'm not going to have a conversation with you, and I'm completely, like, zombified against anything you try to say to me. Yeah. That's an evil from the left, but it's come in, and it's leavened people on the right. It's leavening yeah. the church. Yeah, yeah. You know, I... I yeah, I, can, I see that. And that was one thing, even, even with identity politics, I think I heard Jordan Peterson one time say also, he said, you need to be careful that... Like, if someone else is playing this game of identity politics, you need to be careful that you don't fall in the same thing. And, like, right. so you don't... If the if the enemy's fighting... That was his point. Of like, if you're fighting this this idea of cancel culture, mm-hmm. where, like, or identity politics, where you throw someone in their group, in their... Like, in some... I, I don't know, whatever. Yeah. If you're fighting that, if you're against that idea, you don't use that same idea to defeat it. Because right. then you just become what you're fighting against. Exactly. Then, yeah. Exactly, and, and I, I agree with that. Um, and like you said, that's mm-hmm. seeping over into not only the right side, but also the church. That whole cancel culture idea, and they're just yeah. Jesus said, Be- "Beware of the doctrine of the Pharisees." Yeah, and so he was worried that this false doctrine would somehow, like, you get slimed by it or something. Like, like hang, hang, hanging out with somebody that's got a cold and they're coughing on, or whatever. Yeah, well, the, the same way. I, I think that's. That that's happening to people on the right and and, yeah. and Christians is this cancel culture stuff. I know a pastor. I recently saw a post by a pastor that he's like, "Hey, I'm tired of everybody having these disagreements. If uh, this is my email address, uh, if if you are posting something that I don't agree with, that I don't like, that if that I find to be offensive, I'm going to unfriend you." Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah. Since when yeah. is a pastor unfriending? I mean, you can unfollow them in your feed. I mean, that's like yeah. everybody knows that, but unfriending somebody is so it's symbolically anti-christian yeah uh, you know but i think and that's what i was thinking about like if we really want to dig our heels in and fight like for a threshold like jordan peterson he he dug his heels in Uh at a threshold yeah i like that analogy you bring up yeah 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 if we want to fight for a threshold right now we should be a a pro-dialogue movement yeah we need to run around saying hey you guys need to debate you need to talk about you, you need this, a dialogue you talking about it made me want to rewatch well there's this movie I want to rewatch that I haven't I don't even know if it would come into line mm-hmm. with that but it was Hamburger Hill I still haven't watched it yet but it's just trying to hold this hill and take it's every day they gotta go up and take this hill over and over yeah. I want to rewatch it though, but I did rewatch Fury and talking about holding the line like when they yeah. hold that crossroads man they're just like it's a good example of that. They're like, there's a wave coming in, and we're going to be the, the rock that breaks that wave, I yeah. think is what he says. And it's like, they don't even destroy the wave, just to be a rock that just disrupts, disrupts it a little bit. And even thinking about Jordan Peterson, he was kind of the same way. Like, yeah, this wave really was. was coming in, and he didn't take it out. The wave's still there. Mm-hmm. But he definitely was a rock that, like, broke it up some. It, but Yeah, I would love to get into to, to battle tactics. 
yeah. studied that and really learned how we can apply yeah. that because you apply know, that spiritually yeah and the in psychologically that would be yeah dude like so like what's that verse where Jesus is pleading like why is it that the unsaved people are wiser in their in, in their generation than the children oh, of yeah. light it's a uh, yeah yeah uh, and, uh, on some of the battle tactics that we're seeing coming from the left it's so much wiser than what's what what, what should, should be coming from the right yeah. and it's it's sad but as you like you said you can't let those battle tactics seep over and no no, you no, and no, no 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 there's a wisdom and that's and that's there's a wisdom that people aren't applying and it's just failed stewardship it's just foolishness you know um e- even in that story it talks about the unjust steward and he was like the king was so impressed with the guy he kept him on board like yeah. man, this dude's so smart in what he does. I want this guy, you yeah, know. And well, so he was the, offering mercy and forgiveness mm-hmm. in that story too. The that yeah, but he's forgiving debts. Mm-hmm. So let's see a good tactic. Well, okay, so you're talking about a, a Jordan Peterson and uh, was the movie the Brad Pitt movie said uh, Fury. Fury, yeah. Yeah. Uh, other examples would be like Three Hundred or oh, yeah, that's a good or one. Uh, Saving Private Ryan. Yeah, hold when they hold that. Yeah, um, they got a hold. They hold the whatever yeah. that is that canyon. Right, and so this is really important is uh, is understanding how the landscape is a variable. If if there's a wide open desert and there's all the people of Persia. The, the armies of Persia coming to descend on Rome, and then there's 300 dudes standing shol- shoulder to shoulder, they, they just get ran over. Like, they, they wouldn't even slow anybody down. But because the landscape had these two cliffs, and the only way to come in to to storm Rome was to get through this narrow corridor. Yeah. You know? And, and so uh, the 300 men stood side by side in the narrow corridor. Yeah. Uh, saving Private Ryan... Uh, the enemy was advancing and they had blown up every bridge for to cross except for one and so then the good guys were holding that bridge right and then a, a group of people went to go uh, save the one kid and take him home but when they got there they realized that one kid was a part of the good guy army that was protecting that bridge and they realized hey if we don't hold this bridge this this one bridge right here then all of the enemy is going to come and cross this bridge and take over all this land right so the river forcing everything to come to that the, the narrow corridor of the bridge and the, yeah. the 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 and 300 same concept and so when you understand uh, I, I call it a threshold yeah right and so let's say uh, a, a, a thief shows up and he wants to steal everything in your house right well where's the best place for you to encounter him at you want to encounter him where you're standing in the door of the threshold of your house and not letting him come in or do you want to encounter him in when you're standing in the middle of your living room right so you don't give him those 10 steps because if he can take 10 steps from the front door of your house to to to, to your living room then your engagement with him is so much different the war you're fighting is a different war and so you have to understand the landscape and how it funnels through certain places and then it spreads back out. And, and then you have to find out what are the thresholds worth fighting for, Yeah. right? And so we have this onslaught of leftism and all this onslaught of stuff. And we, we kind of, I think, <laughs> the, the, the conservatism, um, I, I guess just in a nutshell, basically, the conservatives are trying to preserve preserve 
the uh, you know kind of trying to guard the castle, and then the the leftism are trying to storm the castle and take it down in a sense, you know. And so, but it's not gonna stop, right? Like you know, if you give a mouse a cookie, he's gonna want a glass of milk too. And so them storming through to attack you, it's 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 not gonna stop. So if you give up, like in, there's a debate, Bill Clinton jacked a lot of stuff up with Land for Peace. And all that stuff, and this idea. Oh, let's take land from the Israelites and give it to the the Muslims in exchange for peace. Well, that that doesn't work, and that's a foolish argument. Um, so you, you you have to understand when the enemy's advancing, you you ha- you have to have that type of strategy, and that's what the, the Christians need right now. Okay, conservatives need right now is this type of strategy of knowing where's the threshold, right? And sometimes you, you have oh, an idea. Yeah, yeah, I do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like I was clear. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Is yeah. it different for every person? No, no, no. I think as a whole, there's 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 different thresholds. So with Jordan Peterson, um, he had wisdom to understand the threshold. So he lives in Canada. The L- the LGBT uh, movement and the overwhelming it's worse in Canada than it is in America. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Or it's at least a time time machine to like see yeah. how bad it could get looking forward. Anyway. Um, and his complaint with that, though, was not against gay people. His complaint was the identity politics, I think. And no, the way they were playing that game, right? Well, right. No, 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 no. His complaint was uh, free speech. Yeah. And so he realized, hey, identity politics and, and this stuff coming in and, and all these things happening on campus. And he's just like backing up, backing up and allowing all this to happen. You know, it's kind of like you, you are you are you backing up to where the threshold is at? Yeah. And so he basically realized that the threshold of the 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 of the government mandating speech. Yeah, yeah. Of of And he said, yeah, I, right. yeah, I remember that's what put him on the map. See, it's it's one thing to be told what not to say and maybe a threshold further was what not to say. You know, like if you call a black person the n-word, it's like hate speech or whatever. Like it's okay for what not but to make it further, though, what to say? He was being told that he has to address people by certain pronouns. Yeah, and and it's not acceptable. So because he picked a wise threshold, one man stood against an entire onslaught of, of government attack and attack from from college professors and advocates and everything. But because he picked that right threshold to stand, yeah, he, he it's, it was like the three hundred. He was able to stand against all of Persia because his threshold was correct, right? And so I think we as Christians need to really be able to back up and figure out what are the, the thresholds. I think I could agree with for. that threshold of not, like I understand when people say, don't say this, mm-hmm. I can get that. Because I can, keep, I can be quiet and that's fine mm-hmm. on certain things. But when they say you have to speak lies, I'm like, that's one thing I'm not gonna right. do. If someone says you have to say this, and I know it's a lie, I'm gonna be like, you, you're gonna have to put a bullet in my head. I'm right, not right. Do it. Well, and and I, I would even stand for silencing, because like, well, as I said before, you know, like I, I have that whole teaching about how there's there's there's, there's three different types of 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 of, of homosexuals. Actually, yeah, I, I, I mean, th- I, I guess where I, I I was just bringing in the the idea where you said you can't say the n word, and I'm like, right, right yeah. I, I, yeah, but yeah, I, I understand. Because I mean, Stanford. I think I honestly. I paid money to host that on uh, on Vimeo, but I think I think Vimeo took that video down. Oh, really? Because they, <laughs> they came with this whole thing about how they don't support 
but actually that's a that's a message of love and it presents a really great logical fallacy as well but anyway um yeah that's that's what we would have to do that discussion yeah, a whole other time whole but I would, I would i would like to though for anybody that wants to talk about it but it's just that finding the, the threshold right and so this is a battle tactic very important uh and seeing the future okay right now a threshold that i think needs to be set up is parents rights okay so that you know hey out of my loins and out of the loins of my wife came this child this child belongs to me and i am the one solely responsible beyond everybody else beyond the state you know i am the one solely responsible and empowered to steward that child's destiny as i see fit because i am their parent yeah right and that's all common sense for the last you know 20 centuries but it's not common sense now it's it's up for grabs and so that's scary. I can't imagine dude, being a parent. Dude, that's that's terrifying. It's so bad. There's a new thing. A, a, a Daniel sent me this thing where now they have this law where uh, there's a, inspectors are showing up at people's houses and inspecting their house to see if it's an adequate environment for children to be doing homework at home and stuff. And um, you look at just there's a lot of attack against parents' rights and stuff and understanding. It's hard to imagine why people would care. But, you know, we talk about Plato. Plato wanted all children to serve the state and nobody would know who their parents are, you know? And there's, I mean, just the devil. Let's talk about the devil. There's a, there's an anti-family agenda and parents' rights. I mean, LGBT is trying to get more and more into the lives of children. And there a lot of new new children's books coming out, like Sally has, uh, 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 Sally has two mommies, you know, things like that. And trying to bring all these ideas up for for for, for kids and stuff um yeah. I, I i recently saw a children's book that the demonizes trump and stuff and it's actually all about well donald trump and why we should hate him <laughs> and stuff and there's all these things but people are coming for your children and they want to bring sex ed- sex education to your children the, the base the end result is like pornography in the classroom Oh, uh, you know, no, no child under the age of 13 should even know about LGBT as an option because it's like, you know, you tell a boy, hey, boys that don't like girls are gay. It's like, well, I don't like girls. I think girls have cooties, yeah, right? Yeah. Uh, you yeah. know what I mean? And uh, and so he shouldn't even be introduced to that concept until he's like 12 or 13. I still don't like girls, man. They are <laughs> crazy sometimes. <laughs> well, there's a, lot of, there's a lot of peace in that for sure. That's a... Uh, <laughs> Yeah, too much is given, much is required. <laughs> um, yeah, man, and so. <laughs> no, I know what you mean. Though. That's right. scary, and yeah, they're, yeah, I don't know. And to me, like, I want to, man, I just want to dig deeper because I really want to figure out why. Because I, I know I understand their argument that, like, to be like to have two mommies in a house, well. You know, let's let's be open. These things are in the world. You know, to shelter. I don't know all these weird arguments, but like I want to dig deeper because I feel like that. My objection to that, I feel like it goes back to the structures of reality uh-huh. and the foundational structures of this world. Like the Book of Genesis, basically. And I'm like, things are set up in a certain way as patterns that should be repeated. And I think they're supposed to be that way for a much bigger reason than we can even comprehend. 
Right. And so the aspect of a father and a mother, like, and that's one thing I just recently started seeing, is like that parallels the idea of even king and country and almost even parallels the, de- the idea of heaven and earth. Mm-hmm. Like having heaven as like almost a father and mother as an earth. And it's like that provides for every living thing on here. Like a mother would nourish and everything mm-hmm. like that. So it's like it's so much bigger, this idea of father and mother, just the concept of it that I think it affects you spiritually, psychologically. It affects you in every area that you don't even realize to where I'm like, if you start removing that, on the right. even on the small scale and saying, like, I just don't know the amount of corruption and destruction that would bring. And that's what I mean. I want to dig deeper to find out because I'm like, to see it parallel in those other areas... And I'm just like, wow, this is a bigger concept than we think. This is more than just the individual family home. Like, you're removing the idea of a father. And it's like, to remove the idea of a father is... Or the idea of a mother is like... Mm -hmm. That, to me, is even more so terrifying. Because the mother... Like, even going back to the Peter Pan movie. It's like, that's what Wendy does when she goes to Peter Pan. Like, they live in Neverland. And she starts to form and structure the reality like your yeah. a mother kind of does that yeah. yeah and it she builds up almost your world view in a sense and it's mm-hmm. like the way that you're brought up and nourished and so it's like to take that out the whole idea of a mother and just remove it and throw it away i'm like i don't think you know what you're tampering with exactly yeah and you really don't um um the same thing applies to capitalism they're like i'll look at capitalism look from Look at these people that have all this money, and these people have less money. It's, it's bad. It's like, well, you know, that's like saying, like, the, the car isn't running fast enough. We'll just take the whole thing apart. Yeah. You know? Like, yeah. well, so uh, you, uh, you don't understand yeah. Yeah. how that's only stranded on the side of the road. Like, you don't understand that, like, that car is the only reason you made it this far to begin with. Yeah. Um, but even more so what you're saying about the family. So, here... Here in Bradley County, my friend did a study. He was part of a group that, and they looked at all the kids in a juvenile, uh, a, 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 a detention or whatever, and he told me, I wish I knew, it was either 85% or 95%. I wish I had that perfect time. I'm pretty sure it was 95% of the children in, in juvenile detention were from uh, of, uh, single parent homes. They're, 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 they're from fatherless homes, yeah. right? And so he said, he actually said fatherless. So, Dude, 95, 85, 95% of children that are going through the system that are facing jail are from fatherless homes, right? That That's huge, man. And um, you, you can't deny the links between fatherlessness and incarceration. You can't deny the links between fatherlessness and poverty, right? And um, the... So when, when I talk about Black Lives Matter, you know, like, it's... Um, two problems exist in the world. One, police are disproportionately brutal to the poor, and that needs to be addressed. Yeah. And Jesus, you know, Solomon, Solomon's Proverbs 30, open your mouth on behalf of the poor. You yeah. know, we should speak up on behalf of the poor. When I was in jail, you, you came and visited me. We really need to be advocating against police being disproportionately brutal to the poor and exclusively to the poor. Please, mm-hmm. it's not fair. And that's a problem. Yeah. But the other problem is that the poorest part of every major metropolis in America is predominantly black. 
right? And so how do we get black people out of these poor areas? How do we get black people out of poverty yeah. and stuff, right? And there's a lot of studies done on that. Um, there's exposure of how the welfare system has in- incentivized fatherless homes, you know? And there's um, all these different ways that they've exposed things. But yeah. I asked my friend, you know, if, if we really want to help black people, how can we find and if we take this whole... Because they're combining those two. Police are disproportionately brutal to the poor, and the poorest part of of, of every metropolis is predominantly black. They're combining those and saying police are disproportionately brutal to black people in the poorest part of of every metropolis. And by combining those two, all the answers change, and everything becomes like hard to fix. And you're 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 just you're 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 chasing ghosts and stuff. Yeah, but what, when it's separated, they're normal. I mean, like like you just said, they're they are combined. Well, like, the, that's what people are looking at it that way. Right? Well, Black Lives Matter has foolishly combined those, and it's like just because I agree with the problem doesn't mean I agree with the answer. Yeah. But it's, I thought you just mm-hmm. said that the poor people are dis like uh, police are like usually more brutal or whatever to the poor, uh-huh. right? But right. then you said the poor is majorly black. Right, right. So it's like well, they so are how combining them, but they they are combined actually. Well, so it's like that's the sad truth of it. Well, how do we help black people not be poor? Right. How do we raise black people out of poverty? Better right? role models is that what you're well, a, a better role models is a really good start. I yeah. think that like the Cosby Show and Fresh Prince of Bel Air and Family Matters and all these shows really were very constructive for that. Because they not only portrayed, you see black people live, living middle class lives, black people living upper class lives in, in yeah. the suburbs, in the Hamptons or whatever. Yeah. Um, and that was good for black, it was good for white people to see that, to, to remove any type of racism or whatever. Yeah. But it's even more important for black people to see that, for the empowerment of realizing, hey, I don't have to be poor. Yeah. And so yeah, yeah. There's, there's an empowerment that... That, that is available to realize that, hey, the world is your playground, you know, like, you can uh, do great things. Um, one point I champion is nine out of ten millionaires in America are fir- first-generation affluent. So nine out of ten people that are, are millionaires right now came from poor backgrounds, right? Yeah, yeah. And so, so they're you can rise up more so than ever and stuff and black empowerment is this idea that you can rise up out of the ghetto and you can be wealthy and stuff and you you don't have to accept the diagnosis you know you don't have to think you're in a cage yeah, yeah. and but black lives matter is putting them in a cage black, black lives matter is saying uh you're black white people hate you uh don't don't try to go outside of the ghetto then, don't try to rise up and be successful in if business you tell someone the you whole know? world's against you it kind of it makes your world hopeless. Yeah. In a sense, which is really sad. Because it's not mm-hmm. even so much having a role model as just someone to look up to. It's that it's that that's your ideal. It's like that's your that's your goal. That's an aim. You can set yourself for that and work towards it and be like, this is somewhat doable. Or maybe I can be half as good as this or something. Or yeah, get to half this level. And, and it's it's not true. Yeah, that they're that they're yeah. that they can't is what you're saying. Yeah, they. Capitalism is colorblind. I mean, every person in America is just green and white. You know what I mean? Like, there's no black and white or whatever. There's no, it's just green. Like, yeah. if you, all it sees is green. Like, yeah. you can make money just as much as anybody else. Like, nothing's holding well, you back. The pro- like you said, I think it's capitalism in and of itself is colorblind. But the problem is 
I think we're not because you brought up that example before is like you're even with that feminist movement it was almost like like capitalism shouldn't be in, in and of itself is not like sexually biased at all right but then you say when you start using the identity politics and taking mm-hmm. feminism then all of a sudden it it is against right. it is against females mm-hmm. because it's like well now I'm capitalism it's like well now you're almost a threat to me because you're like in, mm-hmm. in the same way it would it wouldn't be colorblind because people might think well if I hire this mm-hmm. black person if it doesn't work out then I can't fire him right. or if or if something happens, I'm liable to get sued. And so then they're more mm-hmm. like, when you start... Yeah, it's I making it worse a, good, a problem. Yeah, I thought that was a good point, that you're, you're when you emphasize someone's skin color, you're actually making people more racist, and that's... Right, really yeah, sad. yeah, exactly, because yeah. we, as a nation, have grown to be more and more of a colorblind nation. Yeah. A, a real racism is hair and, color, eye color, skin color. Yeah, even and if so, you're promoting the race, it's still making people more Right, yeah, it is. Because you're still... Straight up, yeah, yeah, I, I agree. There's more racism now than there was before because of Black Lives Matter. Um, and not, no, black people, like, there's racism against white people, but that's all I think. Yeah. Um, okay, so real racism is hair color, skin color, uh, hair color, eye color, skin color. Uh, white, blonde hair, blue eyed, the, the Aryan nation are like the best or whatever, right? Well, over the years, like I've I've I, I've heard my grandma's generation say, oh, he's such an intelligent little blue-eyed boy, whatever. Like they looked at eye color as somehow being in, in somehow describing yeah. a, a more elite person. Wow, yeah, it, it was around. It was around back that's when. Funny. But like We've we we, 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 we <laughs> ignored it. We, we we didn't have like a brown eyes matter thing. You know, we didn't have like we just it went away because it yeah. was foolishness. Uh, hair color. Uh, the last bit of hair color was like the dumb blonde jokes of the nineties. Those are fi- those are fizzled out. There's there's uh, nobody looks at hair color as a variable to anything. Yeah. And we've and the last step is skin color being removed as the variable that we don't look at skin color mattering. Um, that was the difference between Martin Luther King and Malcolm X. This is Martin Luther King was like I have a dream that a, a, a little black boys and little black girls would run side by side with little white boys and little white girls and they would live in basically in a colorblind society but but Malcolm X his idea was that the black bathroom should be just as nice as the white bathrooms and the black businesses should be just as successful as the white businesses and the black nation needs to rise up within the white nation and take back what belongs to them and it's just total tribalism war and it's it's it's, it's identity politics and so yeah when we talk about pro dialogue Let's dialogue about Martin Luther King versus Malcolm X and talk about the, how the isms fight each yeah, other. Yeah, it's like that equality mm-hmm. only comes through humility or something. So, and that dying to self almost. Because it's like, if you're trying to promote equality by looking at your differences, how does that making people equal? Like the only, you know, does that make sense? Right. Like, yeah, like if hey, yeah, the black bathroom should be as good as the white bathroom. It's like, well, you're still creating a division in, in, in stating the differences. It's like... Right. The, the equality would actually come from there being no black bathrooms or white bathrooms and then just having bathrooms and if people right. are humble and people die to themselves then like, it's like oh no I'm not white you're not black like, it's just right. like the more you remove I guess yourself I don't know I, it's no, no you're right concept. that's exactly yeah. it like they talk about black neighborhoods and white neighborhoods now and it's like that's a step in the wrong direction we've been working very hard like as a real estate agent there's laws man like we've really learned about like re- removing redlining and understanding trying to get that out there and, and and it's 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 working to an extent but we need to keep doing it you know yeah. but why is it 
that the poorest sections of uh, the the poorest parts of of, of every metropolis are predominantly black, right? Why why is that? You know, so the claim that you know, oh, just to hit the other point, I was gonna say, the idea that oh well, you know, you you can't get a job because you're black and the rich white people don't like you, so they won't hire you. I guarantee you, if 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 you're black, go out there, fill out ten job applications, and at, at least eight of them are gonna be with non-racist companies. And if two of them are with racist companies, and you're like, do you want to work for that anyway? Yeah. Like if. Like, to take a step and view yourself as an asset and not as a liability. To, to, to take a step and realize, hey, I'm a valuable person, and I don't want to bring my value and further an institution, you know, further a company that is racist. I want to take my value and work for a non-racist yeah. company. So you don't want to work for racist people anyway. So just let that be exposed and go over and work for the other eight companies that aren't racist. And over time, the more that racism is exposed, the more everybody boycotts it and it's wiped off the map anyway and and stuff the way it has been for the last like 10 years. But so the real thing is instead of talking about the systematic, systematic racism, just um, like you were saying of the you, you really were exposing the truth of like what happens when you remove the father. Right. Um, black uh, black children are like six times as likely to come from fatherless homes as white children. Six times. Right, and and it's a problem for white children, you know. Uh, I mean, I came from from, from a father's home until I was thirteen, um, but it's just that understanding that the the the, the important of fathers in the home, like fatherlessness. So you you, you cannot separate uh, fatherlessness from incarceration. We proved that by the stat I made about like so ninety five percent of the uh, incarcerated. Uh, a teens and stuff are from fatherless homes. You you can't you look at jail the same way. You can't separate. You can't deny that there's a link between fatherlessness and incarceration, and you can't deny that there's a link between fatherlessness and poverty, right? And so, what's the answer to to Black America? Like the family model is an answer, right? Like how how cool would it be if we took like millions of dollars and invested it in a pro-family type of ideology and supporting black families and how do we get the fathers back in the home and how do we get children to to know their fathers and how do we uh, you see what i'm saying a pro-family and so the statistics for family being part of the problem is are so much more uh, obvious than these yeah. uh, these other like kind of ghost hunts that are being claimed yeah sorry my mind as soon as you said that i was like well then you gotta deal with the lgbt Right, because then you promote the idea of a family, and in that area, it's like, well, this is what a family looks like now. Dude, there is no father in the family. And it's like, I don't, I don't know. This, man. It's just there's this there's this debate that Jordan Peterson was on. I think it's called the Monk Debates, and there was Jordan Peterson and this other uh, right winger, and then this uh, Black Lives Matter guy and, and a feminist. And he actually said to Jordan Peterson, I would love to take you to an inner city Baptist church sometime and really show you what our culture is like. And he's like totally attacked Jordan Peterson as like not being a Christian. And I was like, man, I wish I was the guy standing next to him. Yeah. I, I would have I gone after that, dude. Yeah. I'd be like, how dare you play the Christian card in this debate when you're standing next to a pro-choice feminist? You know, yeah. you're, you're standing next to a pro-choice anti-family feminist and you have the audacity to play that card here. But that's but that's been the power of the left. 
And so this is another tactic I can bring. You can bring it really fast. Okay. Um, oh, you keep talking. I don't care. Obama had this idea. Like they got him into the office. Basically, you got the pro green people. You know, green world, whatever. You got the green people. Then you have the the, the, the feminist. You have the LGBT community. You have a, a Black Lives type of people. You have like the communists or whatever. You have all these different groups that have nothing to do with each other, right? But he came to him and he was like, "Look, if you all support me and you all support each other, yeah, I will. I'll." I'll get into office and then we can do do what we want to do. But we all gotta support each other, right? Yeah. So yeah. right now, the Black Lives Matter movement has a huge LGBT LGBT endorsement, has a huge huge feminist endorsement, green stuff. All this. That, what does the green Lots movement have to do with Black Lives yeah. Matter? I think that's one area that side, kind of sidetracked. The church maybe dropped the ball on though. Is is it a? It's taking the other extreme of we don't care about the earth at all. It's sort of like. Yeah, some some churches like that. Well, it's gonna end anyway, so let's not <laughs> let's not be a good steward of it. And I'm like, that's right. not very Christian either. But well, anyway, but yeah. that that point you just made about mm-hmm. Obama, I just watched a southern movie also, and you should check this one. I don't know if you've ever seen it, Gangs of New York. Have you seen that movie? Gangs of New York. You need to watch it. It's very relevant to today. We were watching it on the drive back from Trey's bachelor trip, and Ben, man, we should get Ben to come. Ben Benavides to come on here. He's really into like philosophy now and stuff too, but. He was in the back of the van. I was driving. No, I was sitting up front, and he was. They were watching the end of it, and I just remember looking back at it. And we were both just like, like this is like exactly what's going on today, sort of. But there's a guy in it. His name's Bill the Butcher. I think he's one of the best, probably TV like movie characters I've ever seen. There's a part where he's kind of talking about the same idea that he. The place is called Five Points, where it's set up. So the movie is like there's all these gangs in New York, all these petty gangs, mm-hmm. and they fight over stuff. Then at the end. Basically, the army comes in and just smashes all their little petty gang arguments, mm-hmm. which kind of looks like what's going on right now. It's like, well, what if something, all these things we're arguing over in this country, well, what if something bigger or the judgment of God came in and just smashed it to pieces? Well, then, you know, that's another argument. But there's one point, and it's called five points because there's these five roads that come together. And the guy says, he's like, I basically saying like, I, I can't remember the exact quote, but he's like kind of king of that area. They're the big gang. Mm-hmm. And so he says, the five points that forms a fist and he's like at any time I can take those five fingers those five fingers that five points and I can form it into a fist and then I can turn that fist against you kind of like you're talking about taking this movement and this yeah. movement and that movement and I can take that and I can take them and if I unify them then I can form it into a fist and that's what I can weaponize right and yeah and yeah it's a know. deep it's a deep wisdom and it's and it's for the end it's 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 realizing that's a strategy it would be the equivalent on our side of what if all the pro-lifers and pro-life movement all that protest what if they got together with like the nra and the pro-gun people so what if people are like pro pro-life you know like or or the pro-gun people endorsing pro-life um because they're both right-wing things, but they've they've they separated themselves as, yeah. as as two different fingers rather than being a fist. Yeah, I think some of the reason too is I just heard this too is like I, the that they're the other side likes to point out the that there's hypocrisy in that. Like, how could you be pro-life and then be willing to shoot someone? <laughs> and I'm like, I have to think about that a little too. Right. So I'm like, I don't know how that weighs out. Well, how can but, you be pro-life and be pro-green earth and all wait, that wait, stuff too? Well, wait, okay, wait, so wait, part wait. of the, the carbon emission, because okay. you, you kind of stirred it up before. Uh, okay, so 
the earth is 75% yeah. water okay. and 25% other stuff. Yeah. Human beings, me and you, yeah. we are 75% water and 25% other stuff. Yeah. So no matter how much we fill the earth, the whole globe is still going to be 75% water and 25% other stuff, right? And um, in Genesis, the first commandment, the very first commandment, I ask people this is a riddle and everybody gets it wrong. I ask them, what's the first commandment? And they're like, love people. What's the first commandment? Thou shalt not. No. What's the first commandment? The original. First commandment, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth to overflowing. Yes. So yes. God told Adam and Eve, hey, here's the earth. Here's this so, ability to... to, to to, to, to procreate and multiply and fill the earth to overflowing so and so wait, wait, so, so your argument against um the green earth stuff is like is kind of, is their extreme of it where people are kind of a plague to this planet is that what it is sort of? that it's okay. and, and it's not an extreme it's it's been the goal the whole time but they they mask it in green yeah, stuff okay so um yeah, I think that's like, yeah, that's the root, maybe of that. But I guess I was talking about where we dropped the ball. Is like, oh, I'm just gonna throw litter on the ground and not care because who? Like, I don't know. There's just kind of a right, right. Well, it's good. It, it, I don't think is maybe proper either. Anyway, go ahead. Yeah. So, yeah. Well, I mean, the but, full extent of of every argument at the the very tip of the sword is always something that we all can agree with. Yeah, yeah. Oh, uh, you know, like, yeah. uh, you know, let's end racism in America. Okay, good. That's duh. Yeah, let's. <laughs> Amen. You, are, yeah. are, you, you know what I mean? But when you get to you realize to what it's, yeah, the, okay. the, 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 so that's it's the, a Trojan the horse. Yeah. Saying that people are uh, a plague to the planet and we yeah. need to eradicate people. Right. And so, so if the Lord's first commandment is fill the uh, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth to overflowing, and then the devil wants to create a counterfeit to stop that, uh, the idea of Mother Earth, see, like, Christians have always worshipped Father God, and pagans have always worshipped Mother Earth, and, that, uh, and that's a whole other thing why gender matters. But anyway, the uh, Mother Earth, and so this idea that humans are like a virus on Mother Earth, and so the more yeah. the, the more yeah. humans we have on the Earth, the more the Earth is like suffering from this like cancer of human and stuff. And um, yeah. and I mean carbon emissions. You're breathing carbon right now. Like we exhale, like every human being emits carbon emissions and stuff, and so therefore, um, I mean, I do think there's something inherent in, in wrong with the the relationship of humans to the earth in a way because of because of the whole creation groaning, you know, waiting for the the redemption of the sons of God. That verse, like everything's kind of in a fallen state, right. so like there is some corruption there, but like I don't think. Like you said, I don't think that mentality would take of that we're destroyed. I don't know that we're a plague on the planet is proper. Um, so there's a I tactic that was employed by Google. They took a whole bunch of children, like 8, 10, 12 years old, and they were like, we have problems that our generation has tried to solve, but we haven't been able to solve them. So, But we believe in you that you're the next generation and you're going to solve the problems that we weren't able to solve, here's the problem. The earth can only sustain 6 billion people and we currently have, 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 have more than 7 billion people. What are you going to do about it? So they take a fact that's highly debatable, yeah. you know, and they present it as a truth that's like an immovable rock. And then they have a children. Yeah. <laughs> uh, let's see. Cannibalism. 
pro-choice, <laughs> uh, you know, war, survival, uh, survival of the fittest, whatever. Like, yeah. uh, but letting these type of planting these seeds in the minds of children somehow that, um, you know, that just that that the earth only stands to six billion people. Um, there's so many layers of art of understanding why that's not truth. The part of the argument behind that is like acreage, like how much acreage does it take to farm to produce so much land? And then you multiply available farming acreage by available yeah. land. Therefore, six billion people. Well, I feel like this is a, an area I'm not, well, I feel like a lot of these areas you've gone into, I'm not like really properly equipped to well, discuss. Mm-hmm. Cause I don't know that many facts about anything right. or even global warming or what the, like you're talking about the hidden agenda is or the hidden end game of of uh, Thanos, right? Same, right, same the idea, Thanos, right? the Thanos snap, exactly. Yeah, the, the it all leads to the Thanos snap of being the answer, you know. And that's that's the Green Earth movement. It's yeah, kind of the same idea. Yeah, the whole idea leads to the Thanos snap. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. See, to me, like when I hear about it now, it was mostly like. See, like more don't let her like try to take care of her. Like I don't know, keep the place clean idea. Like, yeah, at, yeah. Which is kind of almost more, I guess, respect for your neighbor or something too. Yeah. I don't know, but yeah, yeah. I mean, it's good to observe, you know, certain, yeah. you know, um, good, 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 good practices and stuff. You yeah, know? Like yeah. There's there's certain yeah. Like there's ways of mining. Uh, coal or whatever that are are, are destructive yeah, to the region, like and that, then there's yeah. ways that are not destructive Renewable to the region. Energy and stuff right. like that. Yeah, like I think those things. I guess we're we're in those like evangelical Christians and the right right wing um, whatever conservatism have pushed against progress in those areas almost, like in renewable energy and stuff like that, because. Um, like I mean, obviously we still use coal right now and everything and oil and all that stuff, but it's, um, well, but like to to move into a new area, like even with electric cars or something, it's like we push. So I remember there was such a pushback against that, is the, the whole cash for clunkers thing. And I remember running into people like, like I love my clunker, and I'm like, I do. Everybody likes old cars. Like there's not that wasn't like a debate of mine. It was just like they, to push against new ideas. I don't know. See that's and was, that's that's the thing is. As I dig into all, all 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 the ideologies and everything that's being spread, all the way back to the founding fathers, it all I see is live and let live is a conservative idea, uh-huh. right? Like okay, the, yeah, the, yeah. the the founding fathers, yeah. their idea was that government should be small and as small as possible, and we need to work at keeping government small. Capitalism, that idea is that we need to live and let live and give everybody a, a fair shot at the the American dream everybody gets to run the race yeah you know yeah. um and just a complete free a freedom in that there uh capitalism says hey if if you want to try a new energy source go for it you know yeah. try windmills try try yeah, solar yeah. try everything but you gotta advance your own technology and you gotta race to make it yeah. more efficient the efficiency of solar panels just now is becoming like a worthy investment. Uh, solar panels were so efficient back in the day that trying to recoup your investment, it just didn't pay off. You should invest in something else. Yeah. But now it's to the point where it's worth l- taking a look at mathematically. Yeah. That doesn't happen from from communism. That doesn't happen from yeah. regulation. That happens from pure pure capitalism. Of hey, we got to trim the fat. We got to make 
we got to advance science, push it forward, you know? Yeah. Um, all those things. But the, the, the deep regulation that's always been like deep regulation and more government, more control and more restrictions. Right. And so, yeah. Capitalism says, let all, all, all the energy people run a race and just see who can, who, 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 who can get more faster or whatever. But, um, Communism and these other types of ideas say no. Oh, we need to regulate that. We need to stop this and stop that and prevent yeah. this and prevent. Like yeah. right now, there's a lot of green movement trying to prevent certain, certain types of coal power and that a, a lot of the coal is big in in America and stuff like that. Yeah. Right? Yeah. I mean, I can even see the the pushback of not wanting electric cars in a way too. Even in the sense of like in in the individual life where like I mean I can I. I'm trying to understand both mindsets here because I, I love the progress of it in the renewable energy and not, you know, in things being come, becoming more efficient and cheaper for people and everything and more helpful. But then I understand, like, as in older people who, like, or even mechanics who have worked on cars their whole lives and that's their career, I guess I understand there's a fear with that almost, too. Like, oh, now cars are electric? Well, I'm not an electrician. So, right. like, this is going to put me out of a job. Mm-hmm. So I can understand there's a fear in that, too. So people would want to push against progress for that reason also so i want to like take that into consideration the only too, people but. that push against from from what i've seen is is the left the evil like really yeah I, 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 like- I, I, I don't want to sound too biased but yeah the concept of pushing against is the opposite of live live and let live yeah and, and everything i see from right conservatism from the founding fathers and and from the bible of jesus live and let live and yeah. everything I see over here is like control. Uh-huh. I could see Oh, yeah, that. no, like control, yeah. pushback, restrict, tax. Yeah. I mean, I feel like I did see right, like the right conservatism push against like uh, those ideas. And I think because those ideas were coming out of Green Earth Movement. And so mm-hmm. it's like, even though you have these like branches coming out of this bad thing, it was like, well, this, this pursuit of you know uh this new idea is not necessarily a bad thing but they saw it coming out of like this green earth movement and so they wanted to just like do away with it or something yeah. so i think in that sense but I, I don't know that it was necessarily build up more government idea in that way i don't know but yeah i i, I agree i i heard someone say the other day that like the the a lot of our problem in this country is career politicians yeah. And that needs to just be gone because the idea when this country was started was that you would serve an office for a limited time. And if you created a law, you were going to have to leave your office and go live under it Yeah, as a normal person. And now it's not that way because they just make a career out of politics and the people making the laws don't have to live by them. Mm-hmm. And so that's a huge problem. I don't even know. remember where I heard that. I don't know. It's probably Joe good or something. But No, that yeah, but that's yeah. good. I agree with that. I think that's important. Yeah. You know? Um, I don't know. They, they, they don't. Like, I don't know how they stay in politics their whole life, but they somehow do. The. Freemasons. <laughs> there's there's a fundamental idea that that seems to surface over and over again through history, that people rise up to power, and then they rise up to a higher power, and then they rise up to this really high level of power. And once the pyramid reaches a certain height. Once it gets really up there, every time in history, they, from that high position, they turn around and they oppress the people. 
Mm-hmm. And that's it's, it's one of the fundamental ideas of the book, the pyramid and the puzzle piece that I'm working on, is that they oppress. So uh, the Catholic Church, you know, rose to more and more power, and then it turned around and oppressed the people. Uh, the English monarchy rose to more and more power, turned around and oppressed the people. Like Egypt, you know, like over and over again, everywhere. You see, Solomon. rising to power. Well, not, not Solomon per se, but even Jerusalem kind of did the same thing. Yeah, it, uh, yeah. In Solomon's reign, they rose to the top, but then started. Uh, I don't recall corruption. that biblically. I, mean, I, I know that they got corrupt and just started having like orgies and stuff. But oh I no, I thought like, that was like maybe and I could be wrong, so maybe I am wrong on that. I thought they were kind of like the the superpower for a while in the in history. Maybe I'm totally wrong. Though. Yeah, I don't. I don't, I don't know. know. Well, the, well, just so they so over and over again in history. People rise to the top yeah. of the pyramid, and then they begin to oppress the people below. Yeah. And what they do is, there's almost like this fear comes in where they create a division between themselves and the ones down below. Yeah. That's like the pyramid being separated from the lower pyramid. You know, and they have to somehow, like, protect them being at the top. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, yeah, but you, you see it over, over, huh. over and over and over again, and you see it with the extreme wealthy and stuff, and there's just a lot of examples of that. And so, uh, trying to somehow smash the, the, the pyramid, I think, is important. And it's some, if you just let capitalism run free... So, it's like... When, when they turn around and oppress the people, they push them down because they don't want them to climb the same ladder that they just climbed. They push them down so that they can maintain their part in the top of the pyramid and they put a they try to put a fence uh-huh. between between yeah. the other people and try to make the fence bigger and bigger or something yeah. um yeah and so trying to really rightly ex- explain that but um there's a airplane company pan am and pan am they dominated like all international flights was this one airline and like everybody's flying pan am that was it well pan am just totally went like belly up and in a certain length of time and then all these smaller airlines these these little, these little ankle biter airlines they all came in and, and and replaced them right so pan am was replaced by like dozens of airlines right and there's this idea that like the bigger the cruise ship the, the harder it is to sail uncharted waters uh, you know and so you, you got a big wide op- ocean you can sail your cruise ship and keep going but there's going to come to a point where you're going to come to a piece of land that is you're you're not going to be able to get in there and then the smaller boats have an advantage and stuff and there's ways that smaller businesses really are able to bite at the heels and rise up in in capitalism and really succeed you know a lot of your big uh uh, uh, technology companies uh, there's been hundreds of examples of startups that like like base like silicon valley basement startups of like 10 geeks getting together uh, coming up with an idea and they do something really great and then um, they sell it for like tons of money, and then they go back and and do it again and again, right? And um, yeah, there's just there's a type of way that, that that it fixes itself, and so the people at the top of the pyramid begin to like protect themselves, you know, and begin to af- afflict the ones th- that are un- underneath them, and that's and that's what we need to watch for, you know, yeah. and. Um, it, 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 it gets too abstract to go into all those concepts, but the the removal of the middle class, because the middle class is the bridge to the upper class, right? And so the more you can remove the middle class, the more you can have a lower class and an upper class, and the upper class can protect themselves by r- removing the middle class, right? Huh. 
And so there's a there's a lot of ways that we need to be like pro small business, uh, pro pro pro, pro, pro pro middle class, you know. Yeah. Um, huh. I think that it's important for these people that you know talk about share the wealth or whatever. I think just if we're gonna get real simple, you gotta understand the difference between a millionaire and a billionaire. Because a lot of what they're advocating is throwing rocks at, at, at the millionaires of America when the evil that they're, they excuse themselves to do so because of the evil that is within a lot of the, the billionaires, right? There, there's, there's not a lot of billionaires out there, only like, like thousands or whatever, like not, um, how do yeah. I say this right? Uh, <laughs> I guess in a nutshell, nine out of 10 millionaires in America are first first generation affluent, right? So they were millionaires that came from the lower class. They're just like you and me. Nine out of ten of them are just like you and me. They just they just tried harder and they got a good break, you know? Yeah. Um I'd venture to say, from what I've seen, what I've studied, uh nine out of ten billionaires in America are just straight up evil. Really? <laughs> yeah, yeah. When we when you understand like the, the council of three hundred and it's like the three hundred wealthiest powers most powerful people in the world and they're all all they're, they're they're all luciferian and stuff and you see like there's there's a lot of really evil stuff that's happening amongst these elite reach but they're we're we're bringing up these ideas that we think are good concepts but they're just concepts to attack the middle class which is what they want you know like the, the middle class one location small business ownership um yeah anyway I, i'm probably getting too far off subject i'm, I'm, I'm gonna get rants here but uh Sorry, these are things I haven't really thought about. That's why I'm not really saying much because I, I don't know, yeah, what to say. I, I, like I said, I feel unequipped in a lot of these areas and ideas, and so sometimes I just sit and listen and chew on it, you know. But just that one statistic: nine out of ten millionaires in America are first-generation affluent. So only one out of ten of the millionaires in America have their millions because their parents were four millionaires and they inherited it or whatever yeah nine out of ten of them are people just like you and me they came from lower class families they came from middle class families and stuff that one statistic if we can take that into the the, the black communities in america into the poor you know if we can take that into the impoverished ghettos and young poor people and be like hey look nine out of ten ninety percent of the millionaires that live in this country came from a place just like where you're at but the world is is your playground you can start your own business you can sell stuff on amazon you can sell stuff on ebay you can um learn adobe and design something and you know you can take a photo and sell it on shutterstock you can uh record your own album in your garage and mix it with garage band on 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 your little macbook you got for christmas and you can put on spotify and make a fortune you know i mean there's like it's endless possibilities of what can be done if people feel this empowerment but the problem is is you can preach empowerment or you can preach entitlement but you can't preach both and if you want to fuel a war you need entitlement you know if you you need to tell people that something is owed to them because other people stole it yeah that's weird that how it all wraps back around to what I was originally saying at the very beginning that in this country even like yeah just going back to that that was kind of my argument with the very beginning of this conversation was that that entitlement mentality of like rights and privileges in this country and stuff and that it I don't know 
I don't want to get back on because now we're doing no, no, we're, that's, we're, that's, we're no, that's the perfect closure point, though. Of of I would so yeah so empowerment versus entitlement, you know, um, you 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 can't preach both. You have to pick uh, because they're completely opposite ideas, you know. Uh, entitlement says you're you're in a cage. I'm the one who who put you in that cage, and so now. Because I've in- incarcerated you, it's my job to feed you every day. And I can bring you red lobster, I can bring your favorite food, I can, uh, you know, treat it like the five-star hotel. It doesn't matter. You still hate me because I'm the one who incarcerated you and you're in, and you're in a cage. So it's complete hatred and stuff. Uh, uh, you know, who, who am I to even attempt to have a conversation with you when I'm the source of all your problems? Because I'm the one who's in, enslaved you in this cage, right? And so it's that's kind of the idea of, of 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 entitlement is I've stolen something from you. I owe you something uh, because you're in this cage, and I've afflicted you by putting this cage up. But empowerment says you're not in a cage. Those bars that you think are surrounding you. They're holograms. You can just walk through it at any time, yeah. right? And the world is your playground. Every opportunity that was available to, to, to today's millionaires, even more opportunities are available to you now, right? Yeah. And uh, empowerment says, empowerment preaches an idea of, 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 of a level playing ground and an obtainable future. It's hope, yeah. you know? It's like complete hope versus complete hopelessness. Right, and so uh, I guess my my concept of entitlement is a little bit different than yours. I think is what Mm -hmm. because to me, I guess my thought would have been entitlement was like wages, in a sense. Like I'm entitled. I I work this job. I'm entitled to this Mm -hmm. this this payment or something, which kind of makes me think of the perversion of grace and works and stuff. And it's like if it's you know I don't know just that. I guess my idea for entitlement it wouldn't normally make me think of you're in a cage, but I think I think where you're you're explaining that 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 makes sense. Um, so people think they've been kept in a cage, so they think something's owed to them. Yeah, and yeah. and they think that other people have put them in the cage, and so those people are evil and yeah. villain and should not even. They, they should be cancel culture. They should be no dialogue. Yeah. They sh- they're just, they're the enemy. It's Marxism. Yeah. I guess my thought, I'm just so against pride that my response would be like, nobody owes you anything. Um, like, even if you were kept in a cage all your life, that doesn't entitle you to anything because I keep going back to the thought of like, I'm not entitled or I don't have a right to the next breath I breathe. Right. Like, it's a gift from God. And so I'm like, it's... I don't know. And for me to think, like, God God even owes me the, my next breath seems a little bit arrogant for me to, like, take that. Because that entitlement to, to get to that... For me, I think, to get to that conclusion, if I think someone kept me in a cage my whole life and I get to that conclusion of now the world owes me something because I've been kept back so I'm entitled to this and that would be the thought I would have to take the mentality of like well I'm just because I exist like I I don't know like I, it feels like I would have to take 
it's uh, yeah, it's that mentality of just not to just be thankful for what you have in a sense too, and then go from there. It's a yeah. totally different idea of like. There's a new Christian yeah. song that I heard that kind of offended me a little bit because it sounded like an entitlement. Like, I want more, I demand more, I want the most, the more of you got, yeah. give me more. Oh, yeah. And I don't know, it's weird to me. But there's yeah. another Christian song that really blessed me recently. And uh, it had a line that says, Jesus, you don't owe me anything. But what's that song? Do you, do you, do you call what I'm talking about? No. Uh, Jesus, you don't owe me anything. More than anything that you can do. I just want you. Yeah, it's a Corey Gangs or something like that. Huh. The the belonging company. Uh, anyway, um, but it was just a just a really cool concept of saying that like Jesus, you, you don't owe me anything. You know, like we owe everything to him, and we're so indebted to. I mean, he's forgiven an unpayable debt. Yeah. Uh, you know? Yeah. That, something in there. Yeah. Uh, Donald Trump said one time, I don't think God should have to forgive me. Or he doesn't expect God to forgive him of anything. Something like that. Huh. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, forgiveness is a gift. And it's not... I'm not entitled to forgiveness. My God, it's a blessing. It's his mercy. So so that's good. He thought so much that he didn't ask God to forgive him. Oh, yeah, that would be... Yeah, yeah. Well, so... Yeah. So the... This is really good, because I I think it would be really good if we get to the bottom of this. Uh, So the difference between... Entitlement. Oh man. Uh, and uh, it's weird. It gets perverted because you even mentioned inheritance in the very beginning, and I'm thinking yeah. of those two things together again now because I've watched this in the church where I've had, I've seen conservative Christians complain about and completely group a generation of people. Um, I may be thrown in that generation, Mm -hmm. I don't know, with an entitlement mentality. And they complain about it and would... And then I watch their hypocrisy because then they'd sit there and be like... And really cling to the prosperity gospel or something else. Or this or that. And then... Mm -hmm. And it stemmed from their inheritance in Christ. Right. And that's what it came from. Almost like this thankfulness of like, I receive these things through Christ being brought into the family of God that's it's through him i get these blessings and then it turned into this in within the church it turned into this entitlement mentality where like these things are mine they're owed to me yeah because because i'm in the family of god and it almost turned into this weird self-righteous like perversion of it Uh but it was that that weird working of inheritance that sort of developed into this entitlement mentality where like it's it's my right in the kingdom of heaven to be this, like, to have this, or to have that, or this or that. And it was weird to, like, watch one, on the one hand, they'd, like, be, like, like, really, to where I get the two things are separate, but there was some hypocrisy there. They'd, like, accuse these other people of entitlement, and then they'd turn around and almost preach entitlement in the church. Like, I'm entitled to this or that. But it came, I really think the, what it originated from was maybe almost this thankful inheritance, um, and inheritance, I think, can be bad, also. Because, like, you mentioned with the billionaires. It's like, like if you're not thankful for your inheritance, then you don't have to work for it, and you don't appreciate it, and you abuse it, and you oppress people. Right. Yeah, so it's like, inheritance is a good thing, but 
it has to be received with thankfulness, otherwise it's weird. Because even in watching the in the Book of Kings, when you read about Solomon, like Solomon inherited all that from David, and he received it humbly, you know, with a spirit of wisdom, like, who am I? I'm this child. God, yeah. I received this whole kingdom. How am I going to guide these people? And so he did an okay job, but then he has kids after him, and each person you see, like, reacts differently. Mm-hmm. And it's like, do we, when you give your child something they didn't work for, it's like, how are they going to respond to that? Are right. they going to respond thankful and in a fear of soberness, of stewardship, of right. i got to steward this inheritance now? Or are they going to, like, go, like, the other, what's that other parable Jesus used, and go squandered on harlots and live yeah. with the pigs? It's like, you're going to respond, I don't know. So I mean I don't know what to do with that exactly. Cause yeah, I like that. Um, that that is that's a current struggle amongst uh, the the wealthy and extreme wealthy in America is that they um, they don't know what to do because they know that giving all that money to their their children could really harm them yeah. and stuff. You know, and there's a lot of people extreme wealthy that are choosing not to give their money to their kids and and, and giving their money to other causes and nonprofit stuff and letting their kids stand on their own. Yeah, because there's, there's there's currencies that come from. You know the, the the struggle, the weight on the the weight on the barbell makes you stronger. Uh, you know, and there's there's a lot of ways that, um, you know, it's good to not have too much. But in the parable of the talents, Jesus said, a guy, the master came, and he he gave talents to each man according to his several ability. Yeah. So to one, he saw his ability. He saw yeah what he could hand, and he gave him one talent. To another. He gave two talents, and to another he gave five, right? And I think, uh, and then um, they each were accountable to try to try to double it, you know. And the the guy with two, he succeeded and got five. The guy with five, but the guy with the one, he was full of fear, and he was he had a false perspective of who Christ was, and he had a, a, a false perspective of, of, of many things, and and possibly slothfulness or something. He went and he hid it, uh, you know, and so. There's, 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 there's different levels of ability, yeah, and stuff. Yeah, yeah. But I think sometimes people try to tell you what your ability is. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know what you're capable of. Yeah. And you know. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. I was, I was at my office, and I was uh, try, trying. Uh, I was trying to go for these these larger deals and looking at some stuff. And this man, uh, one of the highest selling people in my office came and he just rebuked me like oh what are you doing trying to do this and trying to do that when you are you gonna have clients that are on this level you should be over here looking for this stuff whatever just totally rebuked me and really just attacked he attacked my motives in a sense right and when i left the lord showed me that everything he said word for word is just like what was said to david um by his his older his older brothers and stuff and um i went and i read it and it was exactly that and David's response was very simple. Uh, David said, and uh, David said in response to him, he said, um, "What sin have I have I committed? You know, what what crime have I committed in doing this? And is there not a cause? Yeah. Right? And so I was trying to go for these big deals and stuff, right? And he he rebuked me for that, just chewed me out. And it's like, what crime am I committing in going for these big deals? And then." Is there not a cause? Like, like, can't you see that I'm going to get paid like ten times as much by getting this ten times size deal? 
And it was interesting because David's brother said that to him when he would benefit from the yeah. big deal as well. And this guy would actually benefit from the big deal that I would bring in. And um, and the Lord showed me that. And I was just like, man. And I realized that, you know, uh, maybe there's a giant I'm supposed to slay here. You know, maybe there's something going on. And a lot of times that happens. People come in and they attack your motives. And, and they try to take your sling away from you. You know, yeah. who, 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 who do you think you are to come here? He said that to him. He goes, why are you here? And he's, he, he, he's David's older brother, right before he slew Goliath, chewed him out, man. He, and he's his brother, yeah. right? He wasn't being chewed out by, you know, the Philistines. He's being chewed out by his own brother. Who do, who, who do you think you are to come here and spy on this thing? You should be back ten, uh, attending to those few sheep, uh, you know? Yeah. And, um, and he's, tr- you know, and David, he didn't let it get him down. He didn't let his own, own brother pull him down. He was like, "Is there not a cause? Yeah. Is 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 there not a cause for this, for for me to do this? What crime have I committed in doing this? Yeah, you know." And I was talking to somebody who was grossly against the prosperity gospel, and I'm defending it. He's attacking it, and it's yeah. really cool because we were sharing our hearts. And when it all boiled down to it, when he looks at me, all he sees is selfishness. And when I look at him, all I see is selfishness, <laughs> right? That's weird. Because cause when I look at him, I think of, like, this Amish type of mentality of let's go in the hills and isolate ourselves. Or, like, the M. Night movie, The Village, of let's just all encapsulate, isolate ourselves, and just, just let the world burn, right? And because he's saying, like, you know, uh, this assumption that pursuing wealth is... is and it's like he's, he's not even thinking about wealth in the point of, like, currency of kingdom, right? But me... I'm pursuing wealth because I not only want to pay my bills, I want to pay other people's bills. I not only want to help myself and help my children, I want yeah. to help like That's poor people and, and stuff like that, right? And yeah. so all all I saw is anybody who's denying that that, that opportunity, uh, you know? And, and so that uh, that's my argument is the same argument that David said. What's, what crime am I committing in exercising my faith and believing that I can create that I can assume great amounts of wealth, and is there not a cause? Would you say? I mean, he what would change his mind if you told him your motives of your money making? Would you say he changes? Well, mind? I think it's just a really good foundation. Um, well, yeah, yeah, I guess that's a good a good argument, you know, of, of saying of, of saying your your motives and stuff. But uh, I think yeah, it's overall I think that a big argument because to me, I mean, I see other people that they want. A bunch of money so they can go buy a bass boat or something. Yeah. Right. Like, well, and I'm not saying like, and the, and their argument is, oh, well, God wants to bless me, and I'm like, I understand yeah. that, I get that He does, but it's like that's a whole, that's a whole different motive if you're pursuing wealth just to go play around or something, rather right. than if you're pursuing it to help someone else out. Uh-huh. Well, but, I mean, I guess uh-huh. they'd still say, well, I'd use the bass boat to do this or that or something. Like, I don't know. It's just it gets really twisted a lot. Of times. There's a, there's an old saying I'll add to that. Yeah. Uh, the only thing better than owning a boat is having a friend that owns a boat. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. like oh, you can take your wealth and go go work hard in your own strength and buy a boat and ride around. Yeah. God is more than able to just simply bring you a friend that's yeah. got a boat and he's already dealt with all the time distraction of a boat and you can just go out there and luxuriously enjoy yeah. a Saturday afternoon of bass fishing or whatever yeah uh, I mean it's a hard uh, it's a hard line to tow because even like with a nice car like uh-huh. like I mean you if you need a car that's actually reliable it's like well I'm pursuing this so I can have a car to 
be reliable to actually get around town. It's like, that's not, I wouldn't think that's a bad thing. So you don't thing. have to buy a crappy car every year yeah. and be a dead old. So, like, I mean, I understand the, the kickback against poverty in the prosperity gospel. Like, I do think there's good in the prosperity gospel. But I feel like at its, like, peak or something, it gets really twisted and perverted right. in some areas. Well, there's some, there's some people, like, there's some stuff that it's usually the stuff that gets perpetuated on YouTube in the comments that get taught, you know, repeated mm-hmm. are the ones where you're like, okay, that's taken it too far. Right. Yeah. Yeah. But. Yeah. And, and there, all the, un, it's, what's sad is the untold stories, uh, you know, yeah. the, the amount of great sacrifice that yeah. a, a lot of these people have gone oh, to. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know, I was swimming with Dr. Norval Hayes. He told me a story about Reinhard Bonnke, his tent got blown away in a storm and he's had like millions of people like $800,000 tent and uh, Kenneth Copeland just, just like paid for it in a, oh, yeah. in a stroke of a pen yeah, you know yeah. and uh, they, they they actually had to sacrifice their own building yeah. they they had to they took it from their building fund because yeah. they realized hey we have our building fund for a distant future Reinhard Bonnke needs a tent right now yeah. and and selfless giving true giving is let not thy, thy left hand know what thy right hand does and there's a lot of people that that are walking in vast amounts of prosperity, but they're they're they're, they're giving it away. Um, yeah, he, he Ken Copeland. You go on his website and you can order books for free. Like there's he they got a whole list of like books and they just give them away. They pay for shipping. Like I mean, there's a yeah. And so he's trying his hardest to but be. He's one the of biggest... those people too, though, where he makes a statement and you're like, it gets repeated, and you're like, oh man, why'd you have to say that? You're like, oh, like. There's certain ones where, like, and it's, you know, and anybody can pull a clip out of a conversation or something yeah. and, and twist it. But there's sometimes where he says some stuff and I'm like, oh, man. Like, he'd probably be the person to tell you, like, he's a preacher, he's a talker, he talks and mm-hmm. stuff. And every once in a while, I guess his foot will go in his mouth or something. But yeah. it's like, because I'll say something. Like, there was one line where he was talking about his jet and the reason he needed a jet. And somehow, I don't even know how, he taught, it got twisted or maybe we didn't get twisted, I don't know, but he talked about comparing his jet to being like a jet of peace where he can be in the peace of God and then instead mm. of being in a public transit plane that's full of demons. Oh, and right. I was like, oh no, like why did yeah. that have to come out of your mouth? Because that's I definitely going to get repeated. You know what, I wanted, what I'm trying to hey, um, say? I, I, I can't break, break subjects. We're, oh, oh, we're recording this for a podcast. Oh. Yeah, it's all being recorded right now. <laughs> yeah, dude, but uh, the... Oh, feel free to hang with us, though, man. Of yeah, course. Hey, you want to migrate to my room? <laughs> oh, oh, all right. No, no, no. Yeah. We're oh, we're recording a podcast, but you can uh, ju- you can hop in. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's fine if you hang with us, man. Yeah, you're welcome. Yeah, totally. Good. The um, no, yeah, it dude, was good. Yeah. Like <laughs> Kenneth, I think moving forward because I, you know, staying above reproach in today's climate, you you, you got to really have like good bookkeeping and ways like like. Joel Osteen's a volunteer at Lakewood Church. He does. He he he's rejected. This, yeah, yeah. yeah, the same way Trump's rejected his paycheck. Joel Osteen's rejected his. Yeah, I think you he know. said Kenneth Copeland makes all his money off his personal money off of oil. Or something. Yeah, yeah. He's well. He's been ble- the, These guys become so wealthy they just almost lose track of where it's all coming from, and that I don't think that's good. I think it's better to oh, keep yeah. everything compartmentalized. Yeah, or, you know, I mean, to, you do have other preachers that that are just totally corrupt in the prosperity gospel, and something like to and take. Right. Take up offerings for like yeah it's just it's, it's well not the thing good. that's yeah. the thing that's sad I, I got think all is, the, sh- the wolves the, in sheep's clothing well that okay sort of thing. 
Rod Parsley is a New York Times is a, a number one New York Times bestselling author, time and time and time again. But he has all of his book sale money go into his the ministry. So yeah. all the books, all the money goes, all the royalties are donated to, to to the ministry, like millions of dollars, right? But then he pulls like a heavy six figure salary out of the church, and everybody's upset because they're giving offerings to the church. Well, his book sale, his book sale royalties are more than his payroll, but everything just gets messy. And yeah. uh, but with Joel Osteen, he he volunteers at the church and he pockets his book sale money. And I, th- Christians don't get upset. Nobody really gets upset if you pocket your own book sale royalties, right? But Christians do get upset when you pocket money out of the offering plate. And so instead of allowing the money to mix, just have it compartmentalized. Like be a little bit. I, th- I think today you got to be a lot smarter in how you're compartmentalizing your money. But yeah. there's, I think there's a holiness to that as yeah. well of being able to comp- compartmentalize your money, be, be, be accountable. In accounting, and when you really do that and properly give, sow, and reap, I mean, God can really bless it. But the problem is, is when your brother comes and tries to take your sling away from you. Yeah. Oh, uh, you yeah. know. Yeah. And uh, it's a big deal. Oh, uh, you know, because what would have happened if David would have allowed his brother to get him defeated? What would happen if he would allow his brother to take the sling away and and walk away? You know. Yeah. The whole, you know, the giant wouldn't have been killed. And stuff, and so that's where I think that that David type of rising up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But yeah, so that's a, it's still a good challenge to figure out the difference between rights and entitlement. Like, oh, yeah. what are the things that or... you have the right to, and what are the thing? Where does entitlement come in? And I think, and even well, that was my thought too. Is that I, that's what I I guess maybe that's where I'm struggling with the English language. Is the what what rights would what the definition of rights would fall under? I guess and rights and privileges and like those definitions. I probably need to get solid definitions for that way. I can say I'm speaking clearly and meaning exactly what I say. And the difference in a gift because rights, privileges, and gifts and those because even thinking about it that as an inheritance from money from a parent, it's like. That's not really... Uh, you could argue it's your right, but then you're less thankful for it. Like, it's my right as a firstborn or something to have this inheritance. It's my right or something. Yeah, but then I feel like, Yeah, but then I feel like you might, you could fall into being less thankful for it. You could. I'm not saying... But if it's like, if you're the secondborn and somehow you end up with that, you could be a lot more thankful with it because it'd be gifted to you or something. I don't yeah. know. I guess that's where I'm struggling with it where even thinking of it as in freedom of speech it's like what would cause me to fight for that freedom of speech more like in in a proper way and to really fight for it harder what it would be would it be having the mentality of this is a gift uh this inheritance to me because it's inheritance either way this is a gift to me where would that create a mentality where i could respond like maybe in a more loving way fight for it or I, I don't know or if or if I took the mentality of this is my right this is my if I take that to me and maybe I need to look at the definition I feel like if I keep putting that in my head like freedom of speech is my right it's my right it's my right then anything that comes against me I'm gonna be so hardened 
where I don't know if I'll always respond properly, but if I take the mentality of like freedom of speech is a gift from my fathers that fought and bled for it, I feel like when people come against me, it's like I wouldn't just immediately start swinging my fist or something. Like I'd, I'd still fight for it, but maybe like, I don't know. Does that make sense? Yeah. Like the mentality of it, I feel like is different to where like, yeah, because I feel like if I if I get one mentality, I could almost fight for it in in, a, in an improper way, and mm-hmm. to and to use the enemy's tactics against themselves, and then I just become like they are. Yeah. But if I take it in in a different, I don't know. I feel like just maybe the mindset behind it is a little mm-hmm. important, but I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. Because even in that in that aspect of inheritance, I'm thinking of that the difference between those I guess all those words yeah and yeah inheritance right entitlement privileges gifts yeah, rights yeah privileges alright so rights versus oh, privilege and so entitlement like so in a war there's always two sides of every war there's the, the ones guarding the castle and the ones attacking the castle, right? Like, yeah, you know, yeah. in, in The Lord of the Rings, there's, like, the orcs yeah, attacking yeah. the castle and there's the elves trying to defend it, you know? Um, and so that's to, that's just kind of my imagery of, of, of conservatism is that we're trying to preserve the castle that our forefathers built of, of these ideas, you know, like the Constitution and the Bill of Rights and, uh, you know... Um, freedom and stuff right and and i guess that's like a deeply biased because i'm paralleling leftist to orcs but yeah um at the same time though the what's coming at you just just like the same thing that was there is slavery versus freedom you know like okay in 300 those 300 men were fighting against persia but it's not just like Tennessee versus Georgia or something like that. This is like an entire uh, culture, an entire civilization of free people fighting against an entire civilization of slaves. Right? Mm-hmm. And so there, there, there really isn't an argument there because there is like freedom versus slavery. Right? And um, there's just... defining rights of people is the very definition of freedom it's like we believe that every human being has the right to life has the the right to free speech has the right to to assembly uh, you know has the the right to you know all sorts of stuff self-defense whatever has the right to uh you know to not have to speak up to 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 um you know the the Fifth Amendment to not have to speak against themselves. You know, yeah. Uh, the the right to remain silent. You know. I guess my this is I'm sure this is where we're going to disagree because my thought is I don't have and maybe that's maybe that's where I need to look at the definition of rights because my thought is I don't have the right to any of those things. Mine, it's all a gift from God. And so right. like I don't have the right to life. Like He didn't have to make me, mm. and so I guess that's like when I pull it back to that. Like further from, like as in in this country, because I was born in this country, I could say that I have those rights. But I'm like, I don't. 
it's a gift that I was born in this country. Yeah. So it's like, when I keep stepping back, I'm like, I don't really have a right to any of those things as, as a creature from the creator, mm -hmm. I guess. Right. Does that, does that make sense at all? Yeah, but right. I think, I, th I think there's a better way to, well, if you're guarding the castle, what happens when the orcs storm the castle? Yeah, yeah, like taking you know? that, taking the mindset I'm I'm promoting. Like I don't want to. I I worry it could lead to that. Well, let's all just throw our hands up and let the castle go. Yeah, idea, and that's what you're trying to hold on to. Yeah, I'm trying so to hold that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So I understand me taking that mindset and pulling it back to that mentality and saying I have no rights. I don't have a right to to living because mm -hmm. God didn't have to make me. Like, yeah, it could make people be like, well, then, yeah, heck with this country. Let's, you know, yeah, forget about right. this castle. Or, Let's not defend it. Right. Yeah, so, or to your your own brother coming and taking your sling away. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, when it's like, uh -huh. who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he dares to stand against the armies of, 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 of the living God? Yeah. Like, yeah, this yeah. enemy that is advancing against us, yeah. who do they think they are? Because yeah. we're... We're on God's side. Uh, you know what I mean? Like, just having a perspective yeah. of uh -huh. yeah, standing yeah. up against evil. I yeah. mean, the the greatest good you can do in the earth is standing up against evil. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. Right? yeah. And, and how do you stand against evil? You arm yourself. Uh, you know, you take all, all, all whatever you can, whatever currencies you have, and you arm yourself to go fight that evil. Uh, you know, I mean, we all we battle not against flesh and blood, against principalities, powers. powers. Yeah. But those principalities and powers, they want more power. They want more authority. They want to rule and reign from the throne of, right? Uh, you see what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, and I think that, yeah, I think that's a good point to make. And I think that's a good mentality. And it's like I don't, like you as a person, I don't, like, I'm not really concerned at all about, like, where where your head's out or how you perceive it. I guess, like, I just see other people, even in the Christian community, that I think the the mindset behind uh, defending certain things is come... It's not, like, it's not the idea to defend these things. It's, it's I think it's the somewhere in the mindset and psychology of them wanting to defend these things, they've fallen away in the in the sense we were talking about earlier where they have now taken up the enemy's tactics and they've also almost like become what they're fighting against yeah and i'm like that's that's the concern to me and i don't know where that's coming from <clears throat> and i was wondering if it's coming from that in in some sort of entitlement mentality to where but i don't know that it is because they'll yeah, it's like, oh, the enemy's throwing stones at me, so I'm going to start throwing stones at back, and now we're, now we're just the same people. But at the same time, like, I understand, like, what's going through my head, literally, when you were talking about, and I this is just a new idea to me, so I didn't really want to bring it up, but you were talking about, like, taking up your weapons and stuff, and I just kept thinking, like, and I've been trying to watch, because I don't understand it very well, the right hand and the left hand, because I don't understand those concepts. Like, even going back to the symbolism and all of it. But when I was looking... It seems like, like Jesus, in like old paintings, is often portrayed with like, I think it's like judgment in the left hand and mercy in the right or something. So he'll have, have like the book of the law or something, or the Bible or something, and then mercy in the right, the hand of blessing. And so it's like, are those my weapons? It's truth and mercy. Like, because truth and yeah. mercy always go together. 
or righteousness and peace. And it's like, those are my weapons, and that needs to be my weapon. And what's coming against me would be lies and something else. I don't know. Like, the enemy's weapons would be yeah. lies and something else. And so I don't take up lies, and I don't take up, like, pride and arrogance and start slinging stones in that way. Like, I just, if I'm going to throw something back at the enemy, it's going to be truth and mercy. Or, truth. yeah, truth and... I mean, truth sucks a lot of times. It's offensive, and I cut you in. Like, it's not fun. So, it is. But that's that's kind of. I'd say it'd be like lies and affliction. Yeah. 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 You know, like yeah, yeah, because he wants you to feel afflicted, oppressed. Yeah. Yeah, and so to see some of the church almost maybe even they're not slinging lies back, but they're almost slinging affliction back, or like. Right. Yeah, or something, or some sort of oppression back. Yeah. And yeah, it's like person. I don't, I don't like that. Yeah, to where it's like, no, you speak the truth, but then the, your other hand, it still needs to have the mercy when the person receives the truth. Like you don't need to. I don't know. There's this condemnation that's going around. It's like, um, yeah, that, and the, that the Christians are taking up. Like I'm, I'm condemning you in a way or something. I'm more righteous than you. Like I'm condemning you, and I'm like, that's that yeah, was exactly know. what happened with with David's brother. Yeah, you know uh, that yeah. that quote of what he read. So good. Oh, you. Oh, you have yeah, your Bible right, right here. Right here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, cool. I'm glad you. I was trying to find my my digital Bible. Yeah, so it would be uh, what First Samuel 16 or something like that. Yeah, you're right on. Thanks, man. Yeah, yeah. And yeah, this is because I, I I like what you're saying about how people trying to come and take. You know, like the condemnation that's coming from other Christians. Yeah. Are you, are yeah, you, yeah. You just... Let's see. Um, let's see. Where is it? Uh, is it seventeen? Philistines on the mountains. Okay. Why have you come out to choose a man for yourselves? Edify there. Hmm. Now David was the son of Ephraim Bethlehem Judah, whose name is Jesse, uh, who had eight sons. And there was old. Um, the names. And the oldest followed Saul, but uh, Jesse said to David, Take now for your brothers an F of this dried. So David takes these. Yeah, so that's that's, that's kind of funny because so so Jesse gives food to take to his brothers. So he comes and he gives his brothers food right before he gets his rebuke. Yeah, yeah. I mean, come on, right? And David, wait, wait. So David was in the last one. He was in the life by name to David. Have you? Yeah, so he's talking to people. Have you seen this man has come? Surely he's come to defy Israel. And David spoke to the men who stood by him. What shall be done to the man who kills this Philistine and takes away the reproach from Israel? For the, who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? And the people answered him in this manner, saying, So it shall be done. All right, now Eliab, Eliab his oldest brother, I guess that's how you say Yeah, that. yeah, that's it. Okay, so yeah, here's the verse I was referring to before. Yeah, heard when he spoke to the men and... Eliab, David's older brothers, his anger was aroused against David, and he said, Why did you come down here? And with whom have you left those few sheep in the wilderness? I know your pride and the insolence of your heart, for you have come down to see the battle. And David said, What have I done now? Is there not a cause? Then he turned from him toward the another and said the same thing, and these people answered him the same as the first ones. Yeah, so that's what you're doing. Yeah, so, yeah, so he's like, so what's that part that, that his, his brother said? Because... Because this is exactly said, what happened to me. I know your pride and the insolence of your heart, for you have come down to see the battle. And David said, what have I done now? Is there not a cause? Yeah, yeah. so I know your pride, and I know the, you know, the your your pride, I know you're a prideful person, and I know your heart's off. 
And th- this dude at my office, he totally attacked me that way. And it was like, it was like, what crime have I committed? Yeah. Is there not a cause? Like, what, what, what crime are we committing in attempting to prosper in America to go out and, you uh, see what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, what, like, how is prosperity a crime? Yeah. First of all, uh, you know, and this accusation of pride, uh, you know, and yeah. he's like, is there not a cause? Yeah. Uh, you know, and so uh, what crime have I not committed? Is there not a cause? Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. And so, yeah, a lot of people come and try to take your sling away, man. Yeah. And so the parable of the talents, the guy that was given two talents, he doubled it into four. And the guy that was given five talents, he doubled it into ten, right? And so when the master returned, and the master says to the guy that had four, he says, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. You've been faithful with a few things. Now I make thee ruler over much. Come and enjoy the inheritance of the Lord, or something like yeah, that. Yeah. And then he says to the guy that turned five talents into ten, the master says the same thing word for word. So if you compare those verses, there's no yeah. difference. The same thing. And you show that... The guy that was given two, he doubled it, and he was praised to a certain level. And then the guy that was given five, he doubled it, and he was praised to, 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 to a certain level. And it's like, to whom much is given, much is required. And this is something that really gets me, is like, I've been given so much. Mm-hmm. You know, right now, I have a lot of free time. I know a lot of people that are yeah. working full-time jobs, I'm working like a... Yeah. It's embarrassing. Like a five or ten hour work week. I have so much time to read the Bible. I have so much time to pray. I look at me and I have my health. And I look at me and the spiritual inheritance I have from other people. And I look at all these currencies I have. I've been given so much. And the sobering thing is the idea that, like, I'm supposed to multiply this. Uh, I can see. Right? Yeah, yeah, I see what you're saying. Yeah, yeah. yeah. so to whom yeah, much yeah. is given, much and is you've required. Been given, yeah, birth in this country. You've been given freedom of speech. You've been mm-hmm. given all these things, and that's your. You're trying to hold those inheritances. Yeah. Yeah, it's very sober. Steward them properly. Yeah, steward them properly. It's very. Yeah. It's it's very sobering yeah. when you have a lot. Yeah. You know, like you can go play blackjack where the white chips are only worth a dollar, and you can fart around and be half drunk. But if you go up. Up the elevator, five floors higher, yeah. where the white chips are worth a thousand dollars and the blue chips are worth yeah. five thousand. You're gonna pay a lot closer to the cards. You're gonna be sober when the stakes are higher, and when you've been given so much, yeah, like it brings a sobriety. Uh, you know, maybe one thing, and maybe that is what, maybe that is like in that hand. Like I was talking about truth and mercy, and maybe that's the one thing people are starting to lose sight of. That's one of the things they've been given is mercy, because I feel like that's the thing. I'm not seeing, like, that's the thing I feel like that's not being, hand, like, handed out when it, when it should be almost, in a sense. Like, not, not, I'm not seeing mercy in the sense of, like, acceptance, forgiveness, like, everything's fine, but that, in that, in, like, in the sense that, where you see Christians, like, condemning other people, even, even people that are sinners, that aren't in the church, but they're yeah. condemning them to a degree where, like, and and I'm like, did you not forget that you were once in their shoes and mm-hmm. God had mercy on you? And I think like maybe we're losing sight of that inheritance a little bit too, or that gift to where like we're fighting for all these other things that we think are so great, like freedom of speech, this and that and everything else. But yet at the same time, like we're like, it, it's sometimes taken to an extreme where like it's almost condemning someone's 
soul in a sense, or like you know, you know what I'm. You know, does yeah, that make I sense? do. And maybe that's a rare thing, and it doesn't really happen that often. And I'm just, and we just see it here and there. But I'm just like, I don't think we should. You should shame someone to the point where like they're almost unredeemable in that sense because you've driven them so far away. Right. Because because you're so. What would an example of the people being shamed? Or, I mean, I guess like. Um, I guess, okay, if I could throw out an example, and I haven't actually done this, but, and, and maybe it was wrong for me to do, because that's one thing I've struggled with, is like, when when do I push back with truth? Because I know certain things are true, but in, just, I could take the example of feminism or something, or even we could take the, homos, the uh, idea of homosexuality, and so, like, let's say I have a, a homosexual, like, come to me mm-hmm. and say that the church has always told them that they're going to hell for their lifestyle and it's like I'm not going to sit there and say oh homosexuality's fine because right. I believe there's a truth but at the same time I'm like when you push that truth if I were to sit there and be like to make them feel like they're they're not they can't be saved because of the way they are it's like every I, everybody needs to repent obviously you know I guess that's one one area where I struggle. Like I don't want to push someone so far away to where, to where they're down and out, and they don't even look to the church anymore because that's their concept of the church. Is like they're they've condemned me to hell already. Why would right. I? Why would I go to them? Or even with feminism, it's like there's. I talked to someone one time, and it was like there were all these ideas coming up, and I just kind of remained quiet, and I feel like it ended up coming down to this deeper issue of the heart, where like almost that feminism had sprouted from and almost an, an oppression in a way yeah and it, I think it was from the church almost in a mm-hmm. sense of like where people will take those verses and like really drill them into what like submit to your yeah. husband submit to your husband submit to your husband and like like almost treat so I guess those examples would be specifically yeah. to where like you're mm-hmm. we yeah you push against you push against feminism so much to where, like, they people completely throw out the entire Christian community, the entire gospel. They throw out Jesus Christ because you've because we've condemned them to where we think we won't receive. They would think we won't receive them whatsoever. They think there's no mercy for them anymore. Yeah, and I'm like, the mercy still needs to be an option for them. I don't know. I guess that's where I struggle. If that makes any sense at all. Like, it's yeah. like, I d- defend those things, but then, like, mercy still has to be there for them, otherwise they can't... I don't mm-hmm. know, it's like, I don't know if we've lost sight that that mercy was there for us. I don't know, I don't know why that is that way. But that might, like I said, that might be kind of a rare thing, and maybe I'm making a bigger... No, that's, that I'm I, sure that's very common. Yeah. And I don't know the correct way to respond in that, I don't know. Yeah, I like what you say about mercy and truth. Going to, they always seem tied together, and I, it's right. a struggle with me because I'm like I don't know. Yeah, because I, I mean you can ask people like my close family. I'm such an advocate for truth. Where like it's like uh, yeah, <laughs> like <laughs> yeah, dude. But I don't know if that makes any sense at all. It does. It does. I like that. I really do like that because we need to hold on to that. You know. Yeah. That uh, mercy. There's so much mercy, man. I uh, yeah. I remember the guy that had the unpayable debt. 
Yeah. And like his wife and children, everybody's going to be thrown in jail. Yeah, yeah. And stuff. They say the number. It was like multiple years worth of life wages that were done. It would take him multiple lifetimes to pay off the debt. Yeah. And then the king uh, just totally made it free. You know, like the, the story I'm referring to, the, the, the New Testament story Jesus told, the king, you know, made, com- completely debt free. But then he went out and he uh, he afflicted his people under him, hold, hold, holding them accountable to their debts. Um, yeah. So yeah, the thing yeah. about mercy is we're, both times we're talking about debt, and debt is past tense. And, um, yeah, I think that's important to not hold people's past against them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, yeah. I, I, you know, so you got somebody who's, you know, I mean, look at Paul. I mean, Paul's like killing Christians, right? And there might have been members of the disciples and members of the 120 uh, that physically saw Paul cut oh, the head yeah. off of their best friend, you know? Yeah. I mean, oh, could yeah. uh, could you imagine being one of the 120 people and you see Paul kill or have killed one of your your childhood best buddy that was a Christian and then later Paul's like the well respected leader of the church and you gotta read yeah. his read his letter and read it to <laughs> your buddies and stuff. Yeah. I mean you it really takes yeah, a lot to to give even, mercy, yeah. And even thinking that like that's crossed my mind before too. I'm like I've thought about Hitler and I'm like, what if he would have repented? Like <laughs> what would we have done with that? Like, Dude, he, he committed suicide so he yeah. he had a lot of time yeah, he had a lot of time to get things right with God, and that is in a bunker, and they're they're coming for him. But I'm like, could you imagine if Hitler like repented and had a life change and ended up being in the church? It's like, my God, I don't know what that would have looked like, right? Or even if anybody would have received him at all, <laughs> but right, yeah, because I mean, even if he was still on death row or something, he could still be a part of the church if he really repented. Yeah, dude, I I, I don't know that we would have received him. <laughs> Dr. James Dobson does an interview with a guy on death row, real famous guy, like Jeffrey Dahmer or Ted Bundy or somebody like that, some famous serial killer dude. And he does this interview with him. And I mean, you, you'd have a hard time convincing yourself that that guy didn't go to heaven from this interview with him and Dr. James Dobson and stuff, you know, and it's a really cool, powerful video. Yeah. The amount of mercy that's there. God offers mm-hmm. us. It's just, yeah, it endures forever. It's never ending. Yeah, and, and to not offer that to our peers. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I, think, I think that was mis- when we were talking that last Bible study at my parents' house. I think that was kind of that heart cry of Miss, Miss Terry when she was there. It kept coming back to that of like, because she kept saying that, like, I remember when I was in darkness. And so uh, thinking of all these people right now that are like against, like, free speech that are pro like this or that lgbtq pro black lives matter it's like if man i could be in their state man i could be so blind that's scary yeah it's a scary thought because it's it's a type of bondage yeah 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 and what's the thing that will set you free the truth truth yeah 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 so yeah so yeah get the truth out there yeah but not without the mercy too like there needs to be i guess that's important that that Mm -hmm. needs to Mercy, mercy accompanies truth. So we talked about people having the right to not be offended, and they create this like illusion that that's a right when that's not, not a right. Nobody has the right to not be offended. <laughs> but at the same time, Jesus said, if you offend one of these little ones, it's better for a rock to be tied around your neck and thrown into the sea yeah. than 
you to offend one of these these little ones. Yeah. And I think what's super important to hold it all together with a challenging concept like that is these little ones are Christians. So we're part of the family of Christ. You're born again. Okay. And you're born again as a little one. And, and Jesus is like, don't, you know, don't suffer the little children to come. Allow, allow the little children to come to me. And, and so for you to do something to offend a newborn Christian, a little one, an immature Christian, that's, that's a really big deal. But it's not the same as people running around feeling like they have the right to not be offended when they're they're not even Christians, you know, and stuff. And so uh, I think yeah. it's important. Every person in the body of Christ, we need to extend mercy to the same way God did and believe uh, and not hold them, not judge them according to their past, but believe that the blood of Jesus is more than powerful enough to wash away everything they've done and give them like the, the benefit of the doubt, like, you know, uh, how, how many times should I forgive my brother? Uh, 70 times seven. Yeah. That's my brother. Right, yeah. uh, you know, and maintain the unity, but uh, when when you're really loving on people that are not Christians, they're living in bondage, and the truth is what sets them free. Uh, you know, so giving mercy to somebody that's that's not a Christian, like you're, it's like. Like you're staying on the shore and you're watching their house burn down, but you, you don't run in and save them because you don't want to. I don't know, man. <laughs> you see what I'm saying? I see what you're saying. I, I don't know. Um, yeah. I mean, I don't know that I'd say that that's, um, that's withholding mercy from them because I don't think. I don't want to say that because I, I think that is merciful. If someone's house is burning down for you to save them, that's mercy. Yeah. So truth is mercy in that sense. Yeah, totally. Yeah, so I don't want to, like, yeah, separate the two and say, like, yeah, you need to withhold mercy from from, uh, from unsaved people just, just to understand what mercy is. And that, that often is mercy is, is, I guess, the truth, yeah, like you said. Um, yeah. Like even because even God's judgment is like a branch off of His mercy. Yeah, if you look at it like a tree, I think it's more helpful. Maybe in a sense, like um, when you have mercy, you have like judgment and branch off of it in a way, like that. Because correction, like correction, mm-hmm. is judgment, and that's merciful. Like it's not. It's when a parent corrects their child, they're actually being merciful. Because imagine if they didn't. Yeah. Yeah. It's like. Some some guy said that to me one time. Well, it was to a group of us. We were talking about... Someone was actually talking about, I think, like... um, They taught some class or something. And they were talking about a kid. I think the kid might have even been mentally challenged. And they were like, it's just hard because sometimes I have to correct him. And this elder guy was there and he was just like, imagine if he didn't. And ever since he said that, it just stuck with me. Because I'm just like, man, imagine if you did not correct wrong. And where that would perpetuate from for eternity, I'm like that is so unmerciful. If you just yeah. let everything spiral for eternity into a pit of blackness, I'm like mm-hmm. there's no mercy there at all. So correction and judgment actually is mercy. And so if someone's in a burning house, yeah, pull them out of it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, the truth will set you free. Yeah, man, that's good. Yeah, dude. So um, 
one thing I saw the uh, entitlement versus empowerment. Mm-hmm. So entitlement is like this lie that people hate you and they've enslaved you and they cage you and they owe you something or whatever. But the answer to get rid of all that is mercy. Like if an entitled person can extend mercy towards the people they feel owe them something, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like yeah. Like that guy, he had an unforgivable debt paid, but he didn't show any mercy towards the people that owed him something. Yeah. And so when you understand that you've been paid an un- unforgivable debt, you extend mercy. So the cure for entitlement is mercy because you're extending mercy to people. And so on the flip side, empowerment, oh. the way you bring empowerment to somebody is truth. So the lie is that oh, okay. the, the jail bars are there. The lie is there's these hologram jail bars that are encaging you in. The lie is that you, you, you cannot leave the ghetto and go to suburbia and, and be a part of a small business startup because white people hate you, uh, you know, and there's all these different lies, you know. Um, but the truth, you know, the, the truth will set you free. The truth is that the, the cage bars aren't there, uh, you know. Yeah. Um, and the the truth is that you you can go out and and uh, you know and flourish. You know that the world is your playground. That there's opportunities available to you. And so, yeah, yeah. it's cool how they work in tandem. Yeah, yeah, it really is. Truth and mercy. Cool. Yeah. Are you gonna wrap it up since we've been going so long? Yeah. Man. Dude, we've been going like two hours, two and a half hours, man. Dang. That's a, wow. Might be the longest one. Cool. Yeah, I hope it turns out good for whoever out there uh man i'll bet you there's a bunch of gotcha statements that can come back <laughs> at me know, if you have heard gotcha statements during this broadcast please uh <laughs> we would like to invite you to another broadcast to fix it so please don't be mad at us <laughs> call jason and we'll record one and we'll give you a voice yeah. we welcome dialogue from those who disagree <laughs> yep okay thank Sounds you good. <laughs>